it couldn't be done. And 50, it wasn't. The uh, end. Thanks for coming, everybody. weeks. Twenty-six stories. He didn't even stop. Over two hundred random prompts fed into Promptbot. Six million A Cab and JK Rowling jokes. Two billion drag race events outside Josh's window. And and zero firings. (laughs) I'm sorry I talked over most of that. It sounds funny. That was great. It's It's good. Why, why Those are all actual different? numbers. They are. Um, all leading to the finale of the first season of Story Lord. Story Lord! Ah, motherfucker! Uh, the comedy fiction podcast with two prompts, three stories, and infinite laughter. I'm Rich Masters, and with me as always are uh, Josh. Sup? And Jeff. Sup, bitch. <laughs> you didn't say your new name, Rich. Oh, Bone Saw. <laughs> No, you got it. It's now. No, no. Bone saw. Um, yeah, me bone saw masters. <laughs> yeah, if I ever think of somebody named Bone Saw, I think of Rich Masters. Of course, because of my years of back alley medicine and my wrestling. You, they fit together hand in hand. Mm-hmm. Look, yeah. in this economy, you gotta have a side gig. Yeah, yeah, hustle culture. Which one is the side gig? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you'll find out eventually if you sometimes ever come to that side, alley. Sometimes your side piece becomes your main bitch. Am I mm, right? Indeed. Uh, the prompts this week were fathers and echoes, which mm. worked out quite well for me. It turns out. Yeah, I cheesed the fuck out of these. Yay! <laughs> I, I used I used alternate meaning for one, and then I just kind of threw in the other. So I'm God, doing a great this job. This is a poetry lesson. <laughs> yeah, it rhymes. <laughs> I was a poet, <laughs> and I I wasn't even aware. You weren't aware of it. <laughs> That's uh, good. This week, someone who isn't me is going first. Oh, that leaves either me or Jeff. Uh. It's me. Did we instantly forget? No, all that bullshit. Right, I remembered. Well done, well done. That's why you get paid. (laughs) Well done, genius baby. (laughs) I was was trying to. (laughs) I was trying to remember like the vocal component of uh, rock paper scissors. Oh, how do you do it? Rock paper scissors shoot. Shoot. That's what we were getting. But like, my brain was like, "What am I having for dinner?" Wow, we are we're ready to go. This is the last episode of the season, and we're checked out. Let's great dementia rebound. This is one of my best stories, probably. Maybe actually, cut Ooh. that out. Cut that out. Don't. Are you going to Denny's? Are you going to Denny's later? I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> Damn, I wouldn't. But okay, I also wouldn't. So. I mean, I would love to go, but I don't want to like get kidnapped and fucking. I don't know what goes on down there. <laughs> Chucked Florida. off the back of a cruise ship. Yeah. The Queen's Respite, or mm. whatever they name those fucking things. The Queen's Breast Pit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're ready. Yeah, we're done. We're start done. recording. Intro Let's done. Go. Yep. Yeah, we got to start the All show right. now, guys. We got to stop fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to start recording now. Uh, my story this week for the final of episode season one, whatever, <laughs> is called... 
Dawn of the Twilight Reckoning, Beginnings and Disaster in Time, Pirates of Dark Water, Part 1. Holy fuck. <laughs> part 1? Yeah. Oh, a cliffhanger. Are you sure? I don't know. I'm not certain of anything after that title. <laughs> Nothing is could be anything. That's how I make it. The Pirates of Darkwater are in this? Te- I'm psyched. Yeah. Technically, <laughs> every episode, every show that does, or not show, every film that has uh, just one part is part one, right? Yeah, I mean, anything can be part one. Yeah. Like, Titanic part one. Yeah. <laughs> they could do another one if they wanted. They, they have a sequel now, don't they? Yeah. yeah. They got that boat, that yeah. submarine. The submarine. Yeah. That'll be a fun one to watch. Fuck you, rich people. It's only like 0.5 milliseconds long. So Go it's die a really to the ocean. Movie. <laughs> Get sucked. Uh, okay, I'm going. <laughs> trip, trip, trip. Water slowly began to drip down into a murky puddle of God's knows what that had been there for God's knows how long. It was probably a mix of piss and jizz with a splash of poop, or what I like to call fair juice oh. you ever been to a really hot, you ever been to a fair on a really hot summer day and you walk by one of those big green trash cans and then you hit a whiff of trash but it's hot wet trash oh. and the next thing you notice is your shoe is kind of wet so you follow the water back to the green trash can lo and behold you have discovered fair juice <laughs> what is it no one knows <laughs> 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 With a splash, a small, size five foot stampeded through it at breakneck speed. Oi! That's goo fat juice there it is, it is, said an old emaciated man in a cell nearby. Who oh, fuck riches in this? I know. <laughs> I did that voice. It wasn't Bonesaw, you're killing it. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, Bonesaw, you're killing it. <laughs> Sorry, I gotta go. Sorry, uh, said a young girl with ratty hair. She turned only briefly to see the old man talking to himself. Shame it is, it is, said the old man who was so skinny he was practically a skeleton. Maybe he was talking to the spooky skeleton inside of his body who was just waiting to be birthed out of this old man's skin husk. Like a beautiful butterfly metamorphizing out of some gross old man's meat sack. Mm, meat sack. <laughs> beautiful. The girl continued to run through the dark tunnel running past all kinds of filth and decay. She hurtled over a woman who was bent down to pick up a bunch of leather sandals. My sandals! The woman screamed as the girl almost (laughs) tripped looking back at her. Sorry, I gotta go, she said. Now what am I gonna eat? (laughs) She said disappointedly as if the sandals falling on the ground made them somehow inedible. Henry! She yelled for her husband. We gotta eat your other testicle tonight! (laughs) Oh, mama mia, not again, Henry said. <laughs> Cupping his one remaining nad. Did you mama write this af- after we had our Italian discussion? I've had this discussion prior to that with, <laughs> with Jeff. We've this comes talked up about, frighteningly often. We talk about Italian language and culture quite often. <laughs> yeah, we're a little preoccupied with it. <laughs> Soon the girl... Burst through a rickety door in one of the side tunnels, only to be met by a scowling old man tapping his gross old man finger on an old wooden door he was using as a desk. God darn it, Demi, I told you once and I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fucking everybody up today. 
God darn it, Debbie, I told you once and I can't believe I have to tell you again, the old man yelled. I know, I'm not, I know, I'm sorry, Gimble, she said as she immediately began to dust the old shelves full of detritus and dross. That's a word I learned this week. Oh, that's a great word. It's, it's, I didn't think it was real, but it is. Hmm. It's a crossover word, isn't it, Rich? Yeah, it is indeed. We've got a character called Dross on TTOS. Oh, we did have What? Yeah. Cool, he's that's useless. cool. Yeah. <laughs> you cannot be late again, Gimble said, looking down at her as, if she, as she continued to sweep, as if she hadn't been a half an hour late. The tunnels were full of people, and then I thought I saw a piece of moldy bread, but it turned out it was just a gangrenous foot that someone had left behind, so I thought for a second about eating that, but I mean, hey, meat, meat is meat, you know? Enough! Gimble shouted. <laughs> As punishment, you will have to, he paused for dramatic effect, feed the beast. <laughs> oh, shit. You gotta narfle the Garthog. <laughs> Gulp, Demi gulped. But, <laughs> but Gimble, I'm not that late. Ah, 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 Gimble shushed. <laughs> Take this bucket full of old gym socks, toenail clippings, used doggy bags, steak fries that clearly aren't edible, a used condom, uh, mm. some kind of green chess piece that has a flared base and looks like one of those Russian buildings at the top. <laughs> <laughs> I had a real physical reaction. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I had a real physical reaction to the, the... I was just like, ugh, until you got to the steak fries and I started nodding. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Checks out. <laughs> all right, all right, fine, Demi said, grabbing the rope handle, handle of the bucket. But if I die, I'm going to haunt you. Ghosts aren't real, Demi. Crazy kid in her imagination. Magic and ghosts get real, Gimble said as he began to cut his toenails as Demi walked out of the old rickety door. Demi skipped daintily down a darkened tunnel, then another. Then she slowed her pace down an- Then she slowed as her pace bleh. Then she slowed her pace as she went down another. Finally, she crept slowly down yet another and as she neared the dungeons. Just Gonna feed the beast and then not die, she said, whispering to herself. All around, the sound of pain and agony echoed through the dungeon's halls. There's your echoes. Hell yeah, ding. (laughs) Ding. This was no place for a little girl. Hell, this wasn't even a place full of place for a fully grown-ass man who's done a stint in the big house who got passed around so much his b-hole was like if Goatsy had a butt baby with your mama's cavernous oft-used wang garage. Wang garage. <laughs> Excellent. That was poetry. No notes. No. <laughs> Alright, see you next season. <laughs> as, she ent- as she neared a singular wooden door with just one barred window at the top, she tiptoed slowly and carefully. Okay, Mr. the Beast, just gonna bring you some yummy uh, steak fries, she said with a (laughs) gag. (laughs) She tiptoed up to the door and raised the heavy bucket above her head to dump its disgusting contents in through the barred window. She hefted the bucket with all of her might until most of its contents spilled out into the cell as the bucket itself fell beside her with a loud wooden clatter. From within the cell, she heard a singular huff, as if a set of massive lungs was breathing out uh, in disgust at probably the steak fries and not the toenails and condoms. <laughs> <laughs> I'll eat a condom for a dare, but a steak fry? What am I, some kind of starch vampire? 
<laughs> that's that's Tim that's here. Christ. Pretty yeah, sure we call those know. Irishmen. Stop track fire. As Demi heard the chuff, she became curious. She stood on her tiptoes to see into the cell's window, but at a staggering five foot four, five foot three inches tall, uh, she couldn't quite see over the doorway into the cell itself. She sighed with disappointment. Then, with one last curiosity-fueled burst of strength, she held onto the window frame and pulled her frail and emaciated body up to look into the window. She saw nothing. It was blacker than black, y'all. And I'm black, y'all, because I'm blacker than black and I'm black, y'all. <laughs> I knew like, Jeff would like that one. It's a very specific reference it's, for me. It's very specific. <laughs> I started writing and I couldn't stop. I was like, okay, this is going in. <laughs> Hello? She whispered into the darkness. Suddenly, a slash quicker than a blur shot across the barred window. Before pain could even reach her brain, three hot scratches began to bleed from her face, just barely missing her left eye, streaking downward to the right. She didn't even feel them as she fell in in a panic to the ground and scurried away from the door, uh, butt backwards towards safety. Then, with a single breath from its massive lungs, the beast let out a roar that rattled Demi's eardrums. In a fit of panic, she curled up in a fetal position and covered her face. Streaks of blood covered her arm as she buried her head into them. Then she looked up. In the window, she saw a single yellow eye and a tear dripping from it. She frowned and felt tears well in her own eyes. I'm I'm sorry I scared you, she said genuinely. The eye blinked out and Demi made her way home. (laughs) There you are, young lady, A-Frame said as Demi strode into their (laughs) tiny offshoot of her room down in the tunnels. I was worried sick about you, little one. Don't ever do that to me. He stopped suddenly, noticing scratches across her face. Demi tried to hide them and look away, but A-Frame had already grabbed a greasy, dirty rag to clean up the dry, to clean up the blood. Gimble made me feed the beast, she said shyly. Shyly. <laughs> Gimble is a pile of jizz that should have ran down his mother's jizz crack, A-Frame said. Yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to say that kind of stuff to kids, eh, Frame? Demi said with a smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm not your daddy, and Gimble is the worst scrapper this side of the tunnels. Ding! <laughs> <laughs> I hope his peener gets run over by an automaton's roll ball wheel and his balls pop like, well, something that pops real good. I don't know, I'm not good at this stuff. <laughs> A-Frame said as he turned around and tried to clean off the dirty rag as best as he could. Demi ran up and hugged him. You're not my dad, but you look out for me, she said. All right, queen of being late. It's time for bed. The next morning, Demi woke up to A-Frame whistling some long-forgotten tune that nobody knew where it came from. Then he started to sing, Don't stop believing. (laughs) He belted out and then went back to humming since Demi didn't think he knew what any of the other words were. (laughs) Well, also, that's where that song peaks and it doesn't get any better. Mm -hmm. That's it, yeah. That's the words. Uh, what am I saying? Where am I? Okay, oh, you're reading a story on the podcast. <laughs> oh, is that what I'm doing? Um, I think we're going to Denny's. Dementia's kicked in again. God damn, it's so fucking hot. My brain is melting. Uh, a, one once a chair he was sitting in. St- uh, wow, I don't even know what I was trying to say. He's sitting in a chair stitching something together. I don't know what the sentence is, so that's what's happening. <laughs> 
You got it, buddy. You got it. We're 26 episodes in. I can picture it. I can picture it. This is why we got a break next week, guys. (laughs) God damn. Demi, good morning. Come in here. I have a gift for you, he said. Demi walked closer to him. In his hand, she, she saw a stitched together old sack that said potatoes on it, and it was fashioned into a cloak. Here, this will keep you safe from any beasts, he said with a laugh. Demi held onto it and smelled it. Its rough burlap itched against her face, and it smelled like summer camp if she had known what that was. She loved it instantly. <laughs> it won't protect Thank her from a starch vampire, though. <laughs> no, true. it will not. Thank you, A-Frame, she said as she hugged him. All right, now get going. You're going to be late again for your shift. A-Frame shooed her out the door. As Demi made her way through the tunnels... A speaker boomed overhead and throughout the tunnels. All gold milkers report to milking stations. Regurgitation will commence in three standard units, a robot and familiar voice said. Failure to regurgitate daily quotas will be met with penalties. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) The voice finished and clicked off. Further down the tunnels, things got quieter. Demi couldn't see any other people, and usually at this time of day... There were people selling their junk everywhere. It wasn't until she looked, uh, took a few more steps that she realized why. There stood two golden automata arguing with each other. This is my shiny rock, said the, <laughs> said the number one automata. <laughs> you have miscalculated. It is my shiny rock and I scanned it first, number two said, then hit number one over its metal head with a stooge-like swing-around hammer fist. <laughs> You rusty piece of non-ferrous scrap. I ought to turn you into alkaloids, number one said as it then returned the jab (laughs) with a bump from its rollerball. This rules. (laughs) I'm thinking of those little um, rock'em sock'em robots. Yeah. 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 Demi hid behind a corner and peered around it. She giggled as the two golden robots clanked and swatted at each other. She she saw with her right eye that during this slapstick clinic, the one had dropped the shiny stone. (laughs) As the two clanged and boinked and zatted against each other, the red stone rolled toward Demi. She looked back at the automata to see if they had noticed and quickly grabbed the stone. But when she picked it up, it was light. She looked at it, puzzled. It had a stick on top of it? She smelled it. It smelled good? What the fart, she said. (laughs) She went to bite it to see if it was valuable, and to her surprise, her teeth sunk right into its red, juicy meat? No, it it was sweet. Her eyes lit up as she took another bite and savored the deliciousness of its cool, sweet juice as it ran down into her growling stomach. Then, as if snapping out of a trance, she perked up and looked around. Nobody had seen her take this, this red thing. She quickly covered it in, in her apron and snuck away. God dang it, Demi, you're late again, Gimble said. <laughs> As he was reading an old book upside down. You know what that means, don't you, young lady? <laughs> he said, tapping a bucket, tapping the bucket she had used just the day before with his old wrinkly foot. Demi <laughs> rolled her eyes and drug herself over to the bucket, lifting it up, expecting it to be empty, but instead seeing its contents were again full of toenails and just plain gross-ass shit. What the hell, Gimble? She finally snapped. How is this bucket full of toenails again? <laughs> Where are they coming from? Is this the same bucket? Do you have, like, just stores of toenail clippings that you feed the beast with? Demi looked down at his feet and saw that 
There was literally no way those toenails were gimbals, considering his yellow-ass, fungus-filled nails were nearly curled around each one of his one, two, three, four, five, eight toes. (laughs) Eight toes? What the fuck? (laughs) Mama Mia, gimbal, Demi said, looking at the bucket. (laughs) Out the shop door. Of all the ducks and ass sons of bitch, the door slammed behind her as she left. Again, she crept her way down into the dungeon, where this time she saw even more... This time she was even more careful not to make a sound. After yesterday's run-in with the beast, she did not want another set of scars. Although, she thought, they probably made her look cool, like a hero adventurer. (laughs) Too bad there weren't any of them around. Your imagination's gonna get you in trouble, and so is all this talk of wizards and magic and swashbuckling, she said quietly to herself, imitating Gimbal. Eight-toed bitch, she thought to herself. (laughs) I wrote, eight-toed bitch, she thought to herself, (laughs) PG-13-ly. What the fuck does that mean? That's genius. It's good, it's good. It's something. Can't you get one curse in a PG-13? You get get one fuck. You can say shit on you. You can say shit a million times. You've broken that that contract. Yeah, I broke it. It's R. It's hard. It might be X. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) When she reached the door uh, that she had been to yesterday, she began to... She again spoke quietly to the beast. I'm just here to feed you, Mr. the Beast. Again... Please don't slash my face off or kill and eat my fluids, please, she pleaded. <laughs> she looked uh, once she looked once again down into the bucket. Not not even anything named the beast should have to eat this slop. Then she remembered the red stone. She s- dropped the bucket spilling steak fries every which way and hurriedly unwrapped the part of the raggedy ass apron that hid the red thing. She held it up to the torchlight. Its skin glowed and shone brightly reflecting the light. She smelled the sweet scent of the thing and contemplated eating the whole thing in one bite as it was more food than she had seen in a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I was watching Demolition Man. <laughs> but no, she held the stone up to the window and said, Here, Mr. the Beast, this is some actual good food. She waved the thing around until a single giant paw with metallic claws reached out and gently grabbed the stone. Mew. It said softly through the door as it retracted its muscly-ass paw back into the cell. There she is! Get her! Automaton number two shouted. There she is! Get... I was just about to say that! Number one said. (laughs) She has the shiny stone. We have to show it to the master. No, I will show it to him, and I will, and he will make me a real boy. Number one replied, hopefully. (laughs) Number two then reached its claw-like hand out and grabbed Demi by the neck. She gasped and gagged as the robot lifted her tiny body up against the door and scanned her with a red beam emanating from the crystal within its forehead. Demi, scrapper, assistant. Usefulness, not very. (laughs) (laughs) It said, completing uh, completing the scan. Termination advised. The automata then used its other hand, other arm, to staple Demi's body arms and legs to the wooden door. The gold staples were the size and thickness of javelins as they pierced through the door behind Demi, pinning her in place. She let out a scream as the automata began to make their crystals glow. Disintegration in three, two... But they never reached one as a giant paw shot through the barred window and grabbed the first robot's face with his metallic-covered claws. 
The arm flexed and popped the bars out of place, bending them to its will like butter on your mama's hot lap beef on a 90-degree <laughs> August night. Lap beef. Jesus. That's disgusting. Who writes that? <laughs> That's going to cause some sort of yeast infection. Yeah, it's don't put butter there. <laughs> <laughs> then I wrote, uh, uh, hot, hot lap beef on a 90 degree August night. That's about 32 degrees for you Celsius fucks. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, I appreciate that. There you go. <laughs> the giant paw then squeezed, its metal claws ripping through the gold casing of the robot. Sparks and wires zitted and zatted as shorts and connections were broken. That's where my brain lives, the automata shouted, and then powered down forever. The paw then pulled the crystal back into the cell with a single, and with a single explosion blew the lock off the door. This also caused the door to destabilize and Demi fell to the ground as she hurriedly tried to get the gold rods off from around herself. There in the now destroyed doorway stood a seven foot tall, ripped as fuck cat. He roared in anger and showed his fangs. Behind him, a mace for a tail swooshed around like all pissed-off cats do. Oh, shit, Demi started, but then was interrupted by another automata. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> he said spinning on his ball wheel, but it was too late. The buff cat had grabbed its neck and lifted it off the ground as its ball wheel spun out in place and made cartoony wheel screech sound effects. <laughs> Like that. You get it? <laughs> As the buff cat lifted up, uh, it began to scream, I do not wish to be a real boy. I do, I do not wish to be a real boy. If this is what pain is, I do not wish to feel feelings. And then buff cat suplexed the robot back into the cell. Before the robot even knew what happened, he was again lifted into the air, this time by both the beast's enormous claws gripping the top of its brain case. With a single tear, the beast ripped the robot in twain. Its parts spilled out onto the stone floor and clanged around clanged around like a kid dumping his Hot Wheels out onto the living room floor on a Saturday morning. <laughs> oh, wholesome. <laughs> I used to do that. I used to have joy. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> wow, you're strong, Demi said, coming into the cell. Buffcat looked down and saw... Uh, the golden staple javelin strewn about. He also saw a tiny, skinny little girl who looked like she hadn't eaten in weeks, but around her neck was a cloak. Buff Cat smiled. Mew, he said. <laughs> Me? I'm not an adventurer. I'm just a scrapper. i never seen anything like you before, though. You some kind of strong feline? Are there more of you? <laughs> Where do you come from? Do you know any of the thing? Do you know that what that thing is I gave you? She stopped cold as she looked around the cell. All around were mathematical formulae, phrases, words and languages De Demi didn't recognize from any of Gimbal's nudie mags. She read, <laughs> <laughs> she read one she could barely understand. All mew and no mew make mew mew a dull mew. She read softly. <laughs> Buffcat was fast at work at shaping the golden staples into a sort of a hodgepodge long spear. He held out his giant uh, fluffy paw and handed Demi a single straightened out staple. Mew, he said, gesturing for her to take it. As she held it and looked at it, as she held it, she looked at it like Babe Ruth had just given her a soccer ball signed by Bo Jackson with <laughs> Michael Jordan's favorite Sharpie. <laughs> Buffcat said, pointing to the crude scratching on the wall. It was some kind of pedestal. 
Demi had seen one before down in the depths, but rumor had it that the master had it moved to the temple in the above. I know where that is, she said excitedly, but we can't get to it or we'll die. Ew! Buffcat said. Yeah, it's in the above. We're not allowed up there, and anyone who goes up there never comes back. A-Frame told me he saw it once, but... A-Frame! Demi realized as realized that if they knew where to find her here, they could have found her at home. She ran quickly out the cell door as Buff got followed behind. Demi burst through the rickety door into the single stone room to see nothing but a pile of ash sitting in the middle of the floor. No! She ran over. She ran over to it, falling to her knees. She grabbed at the dust, picking it, picking it up as if she could piece the parts back together with sheer force of will. As if she could reform the jigsaw puzzle of her friend's destroyed life. She cried into the ash, making her hands dark with soot. Buffcat knelt beside her and put a single paw on her shoulder. Ew, he said softly. Yeah, I'm sorry too. He wasn't my father, she explained. But he was even better than any father. He let me curse, she said, crying in tears <laughs> into a small laugh. And then something inside of her shifted, like a gear shifting into high gear. She looked down at her hands covered in the soot of her dead friend. She took three fingers. She took her three fingers of her right hand and smeared the ash over the scars on her face, creating three dark lines. War paint. <laughs> she turned to Buffcat and simply said, Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> As they made their way through the tunnels, alarms of all sorts blared. Over the loudspeaker, warnings were issued. Attention! Be on the lookout for a seven-foot-tall cat and a little girl. They are fugitives. Do not help them, or you'll be turned into dust. Thank you, and have a great day. (laughs) (laughs) Buffcat killed and tore apart any obstacles in his way. Demi cheered as he used one automata as a flail against another one, using its ball wheel as a club and then ripping the surviving robot's arms off so it couldn't grieve its dead comrade. The robot, <laughs> the robot would later retire and have a vivid and have vivid robot nightmares about his dead partner, but little did he know that his partner was banging his robot wife and he probably deserved to die. <laughs> And he was only three days from retirement. (laughs) I'm only three days from retirement. (laughs) Then I'll be a real boy. (laughs) Soon the pair reached the hatch that led to the above. This is the way up, she said with a nervous stutter. Mew, 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 Buffcat reassured her. Then he he then gripped the giant wheelie opener thing that safes have (laughs) and lifted the metal hatch. I don't it's know a tumbler. What the fuck those are called. <laughs> Is that what it's called? A tumbler? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was what you made like gimlets out of. Gimli's? What are those drinks? Gimli Son of Gloin? G- I have Gimli no Son idea. of Gloins? I'm mixed. I'm so confused. <laughs> Above, a blast of hot, spicy air hit Demi's face. Sand blasted her cheeks, and she was sure that it took a few freckles off. She squinted as the brightest light she had ever seen burned into her not oft used retinas. She shielded her eyes uh, with her hand and then slowly became acclimated to the light. All around she saw red. The sky was red. The sand was red. In the distance, giant mechanical walking automata scoured the wasteland, hitting rocks with red scanning beams. Above her, she saw asteroids floating in the sky freely, as if they were placed there by some great hand. Whoa, she said, mouth agape, (laughs) as she looked straight up. Mew, mew, Buffcat pointed toward a ruined building. It was the only structure that either of them could see. 
Buff Cat was pretty sure that this was the only structure left on this plane of existence. Both hurriedly ran toward the stone, ancient, ancient stone-looking megalithic structure. It looked closer than it was since it was so massive. Just like when you put a side view... I forgot I wrote this. Just like when you put a side view mirror next to my dick. Objects in the mirror may be closer than they appear, bitch. Now get that mirror out of here. Are we gonna fuck? Why are you bringing a mirror to fuck anyway? You wild-ass, filthy-ass hoe? Shit! Wow. Panting, both companions reached the empty cavernous room. There in the middle stood the object that Buffcat had drawn into his cell wall. There it is, Demi shouted as she started to run toward it. What do you think it is? Mew, Buffcat said curtly. Uh, A portal? To where? She asked, running her hand over her surface. Mew, mew. (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, a great rumble rattled through the entire temple. Buffcat reached out to hold Demi up as she fell backward. Both struggled to keep their feet under them. A red magical haze filled the entirety of the temple, followed by runic crimson magic that swirled around. Then, from the ground, bubbled gold. Pure gold. It pulled together like the tar monster that killed Tashi Yar. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly it rose up and formed the shape of shoulders, and then a head, and then legs, complete with feet to carry it forward. And forward it walked, stepping out of its own pool of creation. You, it said in a soft, gentle voice. There it stood, a slender and muscular golden Adonis, pure butt-ass nude. Did he, did he have the cum it's, gutters? <laughs> Yo, yeah, oh, yes. You know it. Golden oh, cum yeah. gutters. It's fucking yeah, man. I better, I'm gonna get too horny for the reading. So. <laughs> Its face entirely too human, and his donger entirely too big for my liking. I mean, he could try to fit that thing in my beehole, but I assure you, I will not enjoy it for one second. In fact, he should try it. I'll prove it to you how much I hate it. Go on, stick that in there and see how much my innocent, completely heterosexual butthole hates this golden god, golden god's giant black dot com sized penis. The master, Demi said as she reflexively bowed down slightly. My child. Scrapper number six nine six nine four twenty. Designation Demi. The golden man said gently. Red magic shot all around him, lifting him up into the air off his feet so that he no longer needed to use his own fabricated legs to move. As he floated over toward them, Buffcat flicked his claws out and readied his gold spear. My feline friend, that is not necessary and completely useless, the man said as he flicked a finger, melting the gold spear. The fluid congealed and slurped itself back into the golden man's being. <laughs> he smiled as it entered him. Again, I would hate for this man to kiss me. <laughs> Demi looked over to see her spear was unaffected, but she instantly dropped it out of fear. It clanged to the ground, causing the golden man to look over at her. She hurriedly picked up the spear and held it out toward the golden man. Very brave, little one, he said, smiling. But you have broken the rules. Not only that, but you have entered my sacred temple. So if it's nothing to you, I will be killing you now. Mew! Buffcat shouted as he placed his hand onto the altar, causing it to glow red and start up with a thrum. You. 
You know how to use this device, the golden man said, almost surprised, like as if he couldn't even believe how he was saying the words. This creature was never surprised. He laughed a bit at this new sensation, called surprise. (laughs) Don't touch my friend, Demi shouted as she held up the spear again. We're taking this portal out of here. A portal? Yes, yes, of course that's what this is. It has resisted my dark magic for eons always defying my endless curiosity, always leaving me with questions, always cock-blocking me, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) I kept it around because it fascinates me. But a portal? Oh, to where, I wonder? Or to when? With that, the golden man lunged forward and grabbed Buffcat around the neck, holding him up like Buffcat had done with the drone back in the dungeon. No, Demi shouted as I hit the microphone. No, Demi shouted. And she pounded her fist against the golden god's leg, but it was like throwing your gun at Superman's dick. (laughs) The golden man laughed and shoved Demi aside like the trash that she scavenged for. She hit the stones with a thud. By now, the machine was whirring loudly around... Around the circled pedestal, red runes of power hummed to life. Each was a different symbol, and one of them was the cool S. I guess where that comes from. I guess that's where that comes from, then. Damn, the mystery solved. Solved. Demi felt the tears well in her eyes as she watched her new friend's life being drained from him. Then she felt the click inside of her brain again. She girded her teeth and grabbed the golden staple spear. With all of her strength, she pulled herself up and gripped the heavy gold object tighter and tighter. She gripped so tightly, she felt like she could break it in two. Slowly, the bar got lighter and lighter, and colder and colder. Demi used her fear and pain, uh, and the spear got lighter and lighter. She saw Buffcat's face struggle and gasp for one last taste of air. Then, with a scream, she plunged the spear into the gold man's thigh. With a scream, he immediately dropped Buffcat as his body rolled into the center of the now-fully-powered pedestal. Demi shielded her eyes as she ran over to check on her new friend. He was unconscious. As she looked back, she could see the spear sticking out of the man's leg. But where it was once gold, it was now frozen into a fiery, icy icy blue pike. The man howled as his arms flailed, turning back into liquid gold. His body split and morphed around itself like Alex Mack, Alex Mack on bath salts. <laughs> <laughs> it squealed and hissed a bit. It squealed and hissed and bit and spit. It yelled and howled and growled and moaned. Its legs turned into into spikes, then two more spikes, then two more, and so on. Its hands were claws now, grasping at the blue splinter in its leg, but as soon as it touched the pike, it hissed again in pain. Its head slowly dipped down off of its core, uh, as it would then slurp it back up right upright into a head-like position before the whole dance would go again. Like a howling sick yo-yo, this thing's head <laughs> reared down and up before it finally got its head upright. <laughs> like your impotent daddy did the night he squirted, in, he squirted you out of his dusty old jizz bag. <laughs> Everyone's getting fucked up this episode. <sighs> Kitchen sink, boys. <laughs> Finally, the last thing Demi saw was the master's head turning slowly to look at her. But where once was a beautiful man face was now a skull, horned, a horned and ancient fanged skull. In place of eyes were red lights glowing with fire and panic and hatred. It laughed as Demi saw a whoosh of red arcane energy and then white. 
Ugla sat on the beach near Reese's condo. The night sky was clear. Inside, she could hear Reese's telling Squib about a something called a TV show where a furry creature named Alf was adopted by a family. <laughs> and how it was the single best, single greatest story ever made. <laughs> she sighed and ran her fingers through the white sands. Uh, one last time, she looked out of the waves and saw something. She squinted her eyes and saw nothing. As the waves pushed in, she saw it again. Okay, there was definitely something out there. She stood up and saw two bodies. One big, one small. Oh, oh my God, she said. Ratfolio! Ratfolio, she said with that flourish. Just then, a magical raft appeared under the two castaways (laughs) as a magical (laughs) sail billowed outward and blew them toward the shore. Ugla ran over to see the now beached, beached magical watercraft. It slowly began to dissolve back into the ether as the two bodies hit the sandy shore. By now, Reese's and Squib had run out to see what was going on and uh, where, where the survivors now lay. Ugla knelt down and saw, Buffcat! She yelled, checking his pulse. He was alive, but knocked out. She looked down to see a little girl wearing a potato sack for a cape. The little girl slowly opened her eyes, blinking the salt and sand out. Her eyes were red and burnt like she had looked at the suns too long. As they began to clear, she saw Ugla's face and said, Mom? Buffin! Huh? Huh? (laughs) What the fuck? That's not Finn. Keep keep reading. Keep reading the story. End credit scene. Reese's turns to Squib as Squib's jaw dropped. Reese's then let out the longest ooh that was ever filmed for a live studio audience. Now, Finn. I knew there was more. I could feel it. You could feel it. That was a long one. That was fucking sick. World building. Future building. Mom building. (laughs) Building. (laughs) We don't know. (laughs) Building, building. There was a building. Uh, Robot building. Yeah. I fucking love Demi. She's such a good character. I agree. Yeah. That's that's like where this whole thing was going to start when I was going to do it again. So, so we, now we're there. We finally reached Darinos the next generation. Mm. Yeah, but we're not. But you gotta wait because we're we're done. Mm. <laughs> you got this is like network television. You gotta wait a year. Yeah, <laughs> and it fuck. might never come back. I might get fucking fired. There's a writer's strike. Nobody knows what anything's going oh, on. Oh shit, we're writing and not. Oh fuck. Uh, well, what are we? We're writing. We're Yeah. They don't pay my insurance. Yeah, fuck that. Nobody yeah, pays not. us, so it's fine. We're not influencers, and we're not writing a product that's going to get made into something, right? Yet. Not yet. <laughs> Wink. Uh, don't call us during the writer strike, Hollywood. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> no, going to scab for yeah. you. Yeah, we'd consider it, but we wouldn't do it. I could. Yeah, unless it was like a shitload of money, <laughs> but then you would be paying the real writers yeah, that money exactly. anyway. Yeah. So. Well, Crystal and I were talking about the fact that like we grew up in West Virginia and we've heard about the mine union our entire lives, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Th- like the idea of a scab is like the most revolting piece yeah, yeah, yeah. of shit oh, yeah. human who's ever existed to us. You're a piece of shit, man. Yeah. Oh, wh- that reminds me of Billy Elliot when his dad yeah. scabs. What a Co- monster! I mean, considering they are asking for 
in some cases, the bare minimum. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. That a human can expect from an employer. Absolutely. When, it's like, ridiculous. Fucking Bob Iger earned $400 million last year. Buy- yeah, it's t- the big plan that they're like really striking yeah. about is like they were going to uh, win a like a background actor or like a third tier actor even is on set. They work for one day and they're paid for one day, they and then they can likeness. scan them and use yeah. their likeness yeah. forever with AI. Yeah. That's fucking. Uh, that's fucking bad. It's straight up dystopian. <laughs> well, also <laughs> considering that you know, like every app you download wants access to your camera and microphone. How yeah. how long would it be before even people who weren't getting paid to be actors were all of a sudden seeing themselves as background actors in products? Oh, yeah. Holy fuck! Yeah. Is that me behind Alf? <laughs> <laughs> Am I out? Yeah, this is the greatest story ever told. It's got everything in it, including my likeness. <laughs> no, that story Imagine's... was fucking sick, dude. It was I am Thanks. so ready for the next season. I like. Uh, I don't know if I am. I like that you kind of did an epilogue because you changed it up completely. It was completely new setting, new character. Um, yeah, like it was great. Really it seemed like it. he was doing the thing I was joking about yeah, in the Discord yeah. the other day. <laughs> Where I what thought were you it would, joking about? I thought it would be really funny to just write a completely unrelated story <laughs> and then never go back and finish this. <laughs> Man, that would be really funny. <laughs> It'd be funny to us, maybe. Not so much the audience. Yeah, yes. people would yeah, be yeah. so pissed. <laughs> yep. Well, thank you. I, I can't wait to hear your story, Jeff. Um, oh, it, it better Rich's, be good. Rich's story better have them on a beach drinking mojitos or whatever oh, no. the fuck he's going to write about. <laughs> oh, no. um, what I really liked is something that you did, which you also did last week, and you had a really poignant, really sad moment in it when she found A-Frame's ashes. But that yeah. was so that. good. Like, yeah, and I yeah, mean that, I mean that unironically, but unsarcastically. I felt that very much. That was very well-delivered. Uh, yep. I think you guys have got me onto the killing of good characters. Yeah. Like I'm a, I'm a, I got the bloodlust. It now. means something. If you can it make does. someone love a character and then you can take them away and you give impact to the, the person who survives, right? Yeah, I mean, Buffcat's not dead, yeah. so you got him back, <laughs> yeah. so I gotta I take mean, something else away. I, I guess yeah. unless the other characters don't acknowledge it or find out, like in my story. <laughs> so. <laughs> It'll matter later. It'll matter later. (laughs) That was one of your best this season by a a mile. It was so good. Yeah, I love that. Uh, I genuinely love that. I thought maybe you wouldn't like it because maybe you thought I was copying off of you. Me? No. (laughs) Yeah. Why? Well, he's not like a technomancer. Oh, but when you said said he had chrome, um, like gold chrome horns and stuff, I was like, oh, great. I didn't think. I was like, oh my god, well, the you're, you're not going to use now? him anymore. <laughs> you're not going to use him anymore. He's mine, bitch. <laughs> as long as he doesn't have a golden dog called Malcolm, I think we're all right. <laughs> uh, no, it's a golden hamster called Stalcom. <laughs> nice. Uh, you know different. You know what's wild is, like, uh, eagle-eared... I don't know. Eagle-eared listeners will know that, yeah. like, this gold thing has existed mm. in previous stories. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder what that's about. Yeah. Hmm. That's weird. Mm, it's almost like you're starting to formulate a larger narrative. 
I don't know. Also, dicks? What's up with those? <laughs> well, that narrative's been in your story for a lot longer than the gold things have. Oh, that's yeah. a large narrative, all right. <laughs> <Yeah>. Blacked.com. <laughs> Our sponsor this sponsor week. Blacked.com. <laughs> Yo, for real, though? I would. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, just give me free Blacked.com for life. I mean, you heard that. Josh is ready to shill. We'd probably get Quality a lot of people site. taking it up. Taking it up. Okay. <laughs> on that note, we're going to take a break to go to black.com and see who's on this week. Um, oh, yeah. It's, we'll be back. It's like a guest star, like the love boat. Is it on the <laughs> Alf, website? It's Alf. Alf. Alf is on black. Alf is there. I'm ready. Uh, we'll be back <laughs> after this piece of music. <laughs> <laughs> Finale of Story Lords. Fuck, I gotta put in some more guitars here! <laughs> um, Josh kicked us off with a fucking amazing story. Full on uh, banger. Uh, 10 out of 10, uh, 6 sloppy noshes out of 6. Is that um, a. What is nosh? Does that mean <laughs> it's blow a blowjob? Job, yeah. <laughs> Can't keep up with you guys. <laughs> sloppy nosh. Um, Sloppy Nosh is pretty cool. I do like that. Um, so now we have Jeff to kick off uh, well, the middle. Bent, actually, um, <laughs> kick off the middle. <laughs> kick off the middle segment um, and his final story for this season of Spooky Vision. Ooh. The title of my story is Myrtle Smelly versus the World. <laughs> Prompts are, of course, echoes and fathers. <laughs> Excerpt from the case files of Adam Frankenstein, Ooh. private investigator. New what? York, New York, fall 1934, entry 8. The man who was calling himself Dracula stood stone still staring out the window at the vibrantly crimson moon hanging in the air outside the high rise. He hadn't moved an inch in what felt like a lifetime, and I'd just been standing there with my metaphorical thumb up my ass the whole time. Uh, Does he my- not have real thumbs? <laughs> just a metaphorical com. one. 
my uh, <laughs> ex fiance's gun pointed against the back of my skull, notwithstanding. I admit, I was getting pretty antsy about what was about to happen next. So, uh, could we ring up the Chinese joint around the corner, maybe get a quick bite, or is one of you gonna off me soon? I got, like, a full schedule going, so... <laughs> I said, looking between Mr. Deville... I said, looking between Mr. Deville, which was Dracula's fake name he was running his business by, if he didn't read my last entry for some dumbass reason. I'm skipping around to the end. And the uh, corpse bride that that rat bastard Victor cooked up for me before literally cooking it in a house fire. <laughs> nice. She got better, though, I guess, because she was standing there now. Itchiest trigger finger I'd ever seen before. Barrel to the back of my head and aggravation in a voice turned up to Max. Shut the <laughs> fuck up, you sorry sack of shit. If I had my way, I would have painted these walls with your brains like a Picasso by now. The count That's wants the time you to period. Exactly. <laughs> the count wants you to witness the coming of our new world first, though. The count. I blurted out, shaking my head in disbelief <laughs> at my own situation. Boy, I still can't wrap my head around this old prick being the real life Dracula, straight out of the Bram Stoker novel. Just don't make much sense to me that that's a real thing. He's a Frankenstein! <laughs> I could see DeVille's shoulders raised. The tension in them was obvious. I'd hit a nerve, maybe? I couldn't hide the little grin that slid across my face at the thought. Eve pressed the barrel harder into my head and grinded it against the skin, sending sharp waves of pain shooting through my skull. Shut up already! God, all you do is talk! Why couldn't you be more like the movie version of you and mute your fucking mouth? <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is, Dracula's a fictional character, yeah? How do you square the fact that this mook says he's the flesh and blood version of some pointy-toothed palooka that a broke, drunk opium addict made up on a whim to sell paperbacks? You gotta be shitting me, honey, I huffed, shrugging. DeVille spun around all at once, poking, put, uh, pointing a crooked, hateful finger at me and screaming out, You're the exact same! It's the same fucking premise! <laughs> there Finally. was a book called Frankenstein 2, you fucking degenerate brainless oaf! And yet here you stand. You cannot possibly be this oblivious. You cannot be this unself-aware! <laughs> <laughs> He's self-aware all the time. Instantly, without him cultivating it, the moon flickered and began to slowly drain off its reddish tint in the sky behind them, lightening and cooling against the black of the night. DeVille's eyes widened as he stared at me, realizing my ploy, and then flung his entire body back around to stare back up at the night sky once more. The tint of the moon began to sharpen once again under his gaze, burning and twisting back into its almost painfully red hue with the beck and call of the Vampire King. Ah, a diversionary tactic. You are indeed more clever than I gave you credit for, detective. I won't make the same mistake twice. He said with a calmness returned to his deep oaken voice. Uh, you can't blame a fellow for trying, I said as nonchalantly as I could manage. <laughs> I finally took a moment to look around the room a little closer. I hadn't noticed up until that point, but there was a pretty sizable mirror off to our right, built into the gilded golden wall of the office. 
It was a cute Paula trick that I couldn't see DeVille's reflection in it at all. But I did see a pretty clear view of Eve standing behind me holding the gun. I'd keep that in mind moving forward. <laughs> okay, noted. Kayla S. Hunter, her teaching assistant Myrtle Smelly, and the last man she'd ever want to have to share a tent with in her entire life, Pavlov Flinch, <laughs> had managed to make it across the town of Whitesville, Connecticut, undetected thus far. It wasn't quite the accomplishment you would think, though, as not a single soul had been on the street the entire journey. The twisting concrete steps that led up the hill to the town observatory or, uh, led them onward, each of them on guard as best as they could muster. Kayla had lost her cane sword during all of the commotion of the fight with Mr. Cornwallis and Mr. Nero, and was Again? feeling particularly naked without a weapon going into all of this. Fucking Anakin Skywalker, hold on to that thing. <laughs> She was walking as crouched as her knees would allow her at her age, eyes darting quickly in every direction as they approached, but again, finding no one in sight. Pavlov Flinch was crouched as best as he could manage, too, though he spent most of the trip digging through his pockets for the packet of Big League Chew he'd brought along for <laughs> quote-unquote emergencies, whatever the fuck that meant. <laughs> He'd come up with an empty bottle of pills marked Not Boner Pills in marker <laughs> and a ticket stub to the Barbie movie that hadn't even come out yet somehow. <laughs> Barbenheimer 2023. But, but no gum. Kayla was having trouble keeping him quiet as he became more and more whiny and pissy about not being able to quote-unquote feel like a real big leaguer with his chew. <laughs> No one was sure why he wanted or needed that right now. Myrtle was walking fully upright with one hand in her jacket pocket and the other holding her phone up in the air and maneuvering it around searching for bars of Wi-Fi. She mentioned at the beginning that she needed to check how many views and reviews her Supernatural fanfiction had got finally gotten to, but she'd been quiet ever since, which was enough, uh, which was enough for no one else to speak to her again. It had perhaps been the longest amount of time Kayla had spent without hearing her grating fucking horse shit since meeting her, so she was thankful. <laughs> Damn. Fuck no. As they approached the observatory, they could hear the low din of deep, throaty chanting from within and could he see the eerie, green, glowing lights inside, which danced against the windows and traveled along the grounds outside. Always a good sign. They did their best to avoid the light and approach the front doors, expecting guards outside to have to deal with in one way or another. But there was no one. There aren't any guards? What the fuck is going on? Kayla whispered, stopping beside the sign reading Whitesville Observatory Main Pavilion near the complete, completely unguarded front doors. Maybe they went into the bushes to take a tandem shit, Flinch offered. <laughs> stopping just behind Kayla and tossing a shit ton of empty wrappers onto the grass beside them from his pockets. Like an unconscionable amount of wrappers. Uh, that's, that's when two best friends get the tummy rumblies at the same time, so they... Oh I fucking gosh. get what it is, you sick little fuck. Kayla stopped him abruptly. <laughs> do they do that thing where they, like, hold each other's hands and squat down yeah, and sing each absolutely. other? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Damn, Myrtle just kind of cool. <laughs> Myrtle just walked into the two of them, tripping over their crouched bodies and rolling into the sign, causing a loud metallic thud from the weight of her hitting it. <laughs> Fuck! <laughs> she yelled on impact. 
Muro, goddammit! Kayla Whisper yelled, grabbing her up by her armpits and standing her back on her feet. <laughs> Watch where you're going! I've got real work over here! Myrtle groaned out, lifting her phone back up to try to steal the observatory's Wi-Fi. My Dean Winchester times Satan times Myrtle fanfiction is probably up to a billion reads by now. I posted it this morning. Times, oh my god. That's what you were writing on your phone the whole car ride? Kayla exclaimed. She caught herself a second later, holding a single finger up. You know what? I'm not going to get sucked into your foolishness again. We're here for a reason. <laughs> Narratively, I'm not sure that reason is entirely clear anymore, Flinch muttered. <laughs> Peering around the sign at the front door, then looking back at the others. I mean, the fake cold put us together to do this, but now we're just doing it anyway. I don't I don't really feel a through line of a story in this. Let's just fucking go, Kayla said, rubbing the bridge of her nose before turning and walking up to the front door. She slowly That's the most- that's the most real ass shit I've ever heard. You have, Jeff, you should have had lightning accident like strike him from nowhere. <laughs> Smite his ass. Raisin. <laughs> Let's just fucking go, Kayla said, rubbing the bridge of her nose before turning and walking up to the front door. She slowly pulled it open and peered inside. The foyer was dark, but the lights beyond the open observatory roundabout were bright enough that it didn't seem foreboding. Not a single person stood in the foyer either. Not a single guard posted. Kayla motioned for the other two to follow her and slid through the dark to the huge archway that led further in. The three knelt at the edge of the light and stared into the massive round room at the center of the observatory. All the museum-style exhibits and cases had been pushed back against the walls, creating a massive open space which was populated by literally hundreds of people, standing shoulder to shoulder like sardines packed in a tin, staring stock forward to the center of the room in their red and white robes, each one adorned on its hood by a strange, jagged symbol of an eye. The room was split in two, straight down the middle, by a long carpeted walkway with no one standing upon it. It had been laid down haphazardly to lead from the entrance all the way to the raised platform at the center of the room. There once, uh, there one was meant to look into the eyeglass of the incredibly massive telescope which dominated the space above and out of the split ceiling in the air. Every fifth or sixth robe cultist held in their hands a green glass lantern with a flickering candle inside of it, the green reflection of the lights dancing around the room even as they all stood perfectly still, humming and chanting a deep poem lost to the ages. I already want to join this cult, Jeff. Stop making it cooler. It sounds poem, so rad, doesn't it? The poem is in brightest day, in black and in <laughs> Uh, Kayla squinted at the raised dais at the center of the room and saw three figures upon it in the distance. A woman lay upon a stone platform which had just been dropped on top of the uh, the dais without thought of placement. A red and white robe just like all the others laying splayed open over her arms and nothing else. Her nakedness stark and white against the fully covered congregation. Another woman stood to the side, holding one of the strange lamps, but this one with a crystalline red glass over it, burning brighter than all the rest, her body fully covered in the cloth. We're about to get another Black.com reference, aren't we? Oh, please, yes. (laughs) 
And standing in the center, a tall, thin man with all the same robed eeriness, but with the added spectacle of a hideous, semi-living mask plastered over his face. The strange black flesh of it pulsed, flaking gold off like old skin. And an oozing purple liquid slowly poured from the mask's blank black eye holes and twisted empty mouth and nostrils. Kayla was about to turn to speak to her... Friends wouldn't be the right word. Uh, enemies was closer, but it didn't make sense why they'd be working together then. Frenemies? God, she hated that term. Yeah. People seemed like a stretch, considering one of them was a walking corpse and the other was, well, Pavlov Flinch. Let's just say compatriots. She was about to turn to speak to her compatriots when the heavy wooden double doors they had opened to enter slammed violently shut behind them. Kayla, Myrtle, and Flinch all turned, surprised into action at the boomingly loud sound of the doors shutting, and then quickly looked back into the room, hoping beyond hope that no one had heard that above the deafening din, <laughs> din of chanting and humming. But every set of eyes in the massive room were now upon them. Uh... Housekeeping, Flinch stuttered out. <laughs> Fucking classic. God, you suck, Myrtle groaned. <laughs> oh, our honored guests have arrived! The man in the mask at the center of the congregation called out, his voice echoing <gasps> through the massive open room near endlessly. He raised his hands high in the air as he called, and the glint on the jagged Chris dagger in his hand revealed it to the startled three he was motioning to. The same kind of sacrificial dagger he, the last leader of a ritual held in his position. Uh, Kayla muttered, staring wide-eyed. Every cultist in the room began to clap suddenly. An uproarious applause that filled the entire building and hurt Kayla's ears, causing her to recoil slightly. They clapped with the fervor of appreciation in unison that bordered on the fanatical. And then all at once, they stopped. <gasps> Welcome, Kayla S. Hunter and Pavlov Flinch, the man in the mask called out once more, applause exploding in the room once more to a near-deafening level. Kayla turned to run, but two robed figures emerged from the darkness behind them, holding them in their grip. Two machine guns, which they brandished with a wave to push her back with her compatriots into the full light of the main room. Our dear friends, you have tried to stop our ascension once before, and somehow you succeeded, though we know not how. <laughs> this is not how tonight will go, I assure you. The masked man yelled across the cavernous room, voice echoing harshly as the three interlopers were guided down the long, empty walkway at its center towards the dais at gunpoint. I am Father Marcus. Ding. This is my beautiful wife, Anita. The masked man Anita waved his hand. Bone. <laughs> well, the masked man waved his hand through the air to motion at the robed woman standing at his side, holding the blistering red, bright red lamp. She drew one hand up and swept her hood off from her shoulders, revealing her slightly haggard but still youthful features. As before, Anita is played by Melissa Joan Hart, or one of the sister-sister <laughs> twins, whoever is more hard up for money at this point. <laughs> I think it's Thea and Tamara. 
Uh, side note, in case I didn't make it obvious in the writing thus far, this is Anita Strongman from yep. Story 3. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, as they arrived at the foot of the dais, the two gunmen stood directly behind Flinch and Kayla, guarding them as they looked up at their captors. Father Marcus squinted through the oozing purple liquid which rolled down his the cheeks of his pulsating flesh mask like the mm. tears of inhuman blood, then looked back at his congregation. Who the fuck is this? He yelled, pointing at Myrtle. Everyone in the room exchanged glances and then shrugged at one another. One man near the back raised his hand up. You don't have to raise your hand. We're not in school, Father Marcus sighed, shaking his head. What is it? The robed figure that raised his hand slowly lowered it shamefully and then walked out into the carpeted walkway leading down the way. He began walking towards the dais. Can you, like, jog or something, please? We're kind of on a timetable here, Anita finally said, pushing the sleeve of her robe up to glance at her watch. The robed figure jogged a little and half-speed walked a little, inciting an obviously overdramatic eye roll from Anita. When he finally arrived, he huffed and puffed for a moment before drawing his own hood back, revealing the face beneath to be none other than Mayor of Huntington, West Virginia, John T. Billiams. God damn it, Billiams. Billiams Kayla and Myrtle exchanged glances at the reveal. Your Grace, the little blue-tinged girl was one of my recruits back in Huntington. I could have sworn we killed her, uh, but I guess it didn't take... She'd gone through the rituals necessary for ascension, but never completed the metamorphosis, so she must have survived her own death. Billiams exposited wow. a bunch of information we already know. Exposited? <laughs> <laughs> we'll throw her out or something. We don't have time for her right now, Father Marcus waved Billiams <laughs> off dismissively. Billiams pointed at two men near the island robes who immediately ran out into the middle and lifted Myrtle up by the arms. Hey, let go, you fucking, you fascist fucks. You aren't cops. You can't infringe on my freedoms like this and get away with it. <laughs> there it is. Myrtle screamed, kicking her legs as they carried her back towards the front doors. Also, fuck J.K. Rowling. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, boom. The two robed figures kicked the door open kicked open the front doors and fucking flung Myrtle out of them like Uncle Phil launching jazz every episode of Fresh Prince. <laughs> then slammed the door shut behind her. As they walked back towards their spots in the congregation, one said to the other, I like G.K. Rowling personally. I loved Harry of Potter. Course. The other of shook course. his head and said in return, Well, we're in a death cult bent on the end of the world, so, like, you would, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, right, the other returned. <laughs> This is very Venture Brothers. I love it. <laughs> Miss Hunter, Mr. Flinch, Father Marcus said, kneeling down at the end of the raised platform and looking down upon them as he spoke. We are, all of us, here to ascend, to become our true selves. The angels abandoned upon this world, spurned from God's holy light, were markers in our evolution. We will take their place in the kingdom of heaven, as reward for finally birthing God's final son upon our reality. Finally, the umbral born shall not be denied its first breath again. The entire room was suddenly filled with the sound of deep voice chanting once more, every member of the congregation raising their hands to the sky and staring with wide bloodshot eyes through the split roof of the observatory. And Our God is an awesome God. <laughs> he That's reigns. what they're chanting. 
That's fun, I think. Anita walked over to the half-naked woman upon the gigantic marbled stone atop the dais and held her lantern aloft above her, aligning it with the moon in the sky. Ah, it's time, Father Marcus said, walking to the center of the platform and beginning to chant along with everyone else in the room. The moon that hung so low in the sky as to devour the night itself filled the space between the massive steel bevels of the dome as they began to split even further apart, opening up the sky for everyone inside the sea. The pale celestial figure that stood still above all of them was suddenly changed by their words on the chill night's air. As a pool of placid water that was hit by a droplet, the surface of the moon began to ripple and sway and change. Ludge. Dominus, Dominus, Dominus. The voices of the acolytes of the third birth began to chant in unison, from a dull murmur to a cacophonous scream. Father Marcus stepped forward and took Anita's place over the intended, pushing her aside gently. He drew his blade up into the air, its reflection of the moon bright red instead of the pale that it still stood. And began to scream those words himself. No! Stop him! Kayla screamed out, trying to lunge forward, being grabbed and restrained by a robed cultist with a machine gun behind her. The blade came down hard and fast into the half-naked woman's chest, sending a flashing splay of crimson blood flying through the air in its wake. The very instant the blade pierced flesh, the moon ripened and darkened, its surface slithering and swirling over itself, being pulled taut and wrenching like flesh under its weight, changing wow. its hue from cool and unassuming to a violent, unmistakable red. Let our Savior be born unto us this night! Father Marcus cried out in religious ecstasy, his knife trailing blood as he raised his hands to the communion. Excerpt from the case files of Adam Frankenstein, private <gasps> investigator. New York, New York, fall 1934. Entry 8 continues. I couldn't figure out exactly what he was doing as he stood there staring at the blood moon that hung in the sky above the gigantic windows of his penthouse. Was there like some kind of hocus-pocus Houdini shit going on I couldn't see? <laughs> he was just staring. That seemed like all he needed to do to keep it red, whatever the fuck that was for. Something was apparently happening 90 years in the future, but fuck me if I had any idea. <laughs> I have to admit, I wasn't exactly paying full attention when he exposition dumped me. <laughs> so what happens to you once he's blotted out the sun forever, sweetheart? I asked Eve behind me, keeping an eye out of the corner of my eye at the mirror across the room we were reflected in. What's it to you? There won't even be enough left of you for worm food by the time it matters, Eve said plainly, holding the gun against my head perfectly in place. No opening. I mean, you've outlived your usefulness, is what I mean. What, is, what use has a vampire got for a patchwork corpse with rotten blood? He promised me free reign in the new world, Eve spat back at me virulently. I'll be a queen. Ha! I feigned a laugh. You gotta be fucking with me. Did Victor forget to put your brain back in your skull before he sewed it up? <laughs> Classic. Oh, fuck off with this psychology bullshit, Adam. You're not going to turn me against him. You couldn't turn me anything if you were a goddamn tornado. <laughs> Look, all I'm saying is maybe you ought to get that in writing with a notary public or something. 
What? She said, tilting her head with frustration on her face. What good would a notary public be in Vampire World, where vampires rule everything? So get a vampire notary public or something. What, I gotta figure out your whole life from here on out for you? I see why this relationship didn't last. What the fuck are you talking about? Vampire notary public? Are you on fucking opium right now, Adam? She twisted her wrist and moved the gun just enough away from my head to be the only opportunity I ever saw coming in this life. So I took it. I twisted my body around to half-face her as suddenly as I could, reaching out and snatching at the gun in her hand. She wrenched her arm back, but it wasn't quite enough. I got a handful of the barrel. The gun went off, sending a searing hot reminder of our time together through my left shoulder and hitting the bone. <laughs> That's beautiful. I'm a guy who's felt a lot of pain in my life, but if anyone ever tells you they didn't feel something like that, then they're lying through their crooked teeth to you. <laughs> I yelped out like a hit dog, but managed to pull the gun free from my hand. Now, I'm not personally the type to lay hands on a dame. I mean, there was a couple of times I choked them to death, but that was a whole lifetime ago. Yeah. I'm a changed man monster these days. <laughs> I include this little addendum here because you can imagine what I had to do next. It took her three good wallops to the temple before she crumpled on the ground like folded laundry. <laughs> I turned my attention to good old Dracula at the window. And you know what the, what's the most fucked up bit? He still hadn't even broke eye contact with the moon. It's like he hadn't heard anything that had gone on up to that point. I suppose his Houdini shit took more attention than I figured before. Again, fuck if I know. <laughs> but I did know I had to put a stop to it. If not for 90 years in the future or whatever, just because I didn't fucking like the guy. <laughs> I leveled the gun at the back of his head and squeezed the trigger. Now, I'd love to embellish here and tell you I dead-eyed him like Dick Tracy, but I've never been a good shot. <laughs> Something what? to... Something to do with my eyes not having great depth perception because they're not a matching set or something. <laughs> it's got two right eyes. I shot out one of the win <laughs> I shot out one of the windows, a portrait on the desk, and a lamp before I finally hit my target. <laughs> it sucks at shooting. The bullet pierced the back of his head and came out the front of his right eyeball, splattering it all over the window in front of him and causing him to screech out an ear splitting hateful sound the likes of which I'd never heard. He dropped to his knees onto the plush carpet below and held his head in his hands. Slow-moving, blackened ochre blood falling from between his gnarled fingers. <laughs> By the time I looked back up at the moon in the sky, it was a normal, bright, cool, pale blue. And nothing stirred on its face anymore. I still couldn't figure out what happened and still had no clue or concern for 90 years in the future. But I felt pretty good about fucking up his eye at least. <laughs> I figured now was as good a time as any to cheese it the fuck out of there before I got Vlad the Impaled, so I took the opportunity. <laughs> I barreled through the door and splinted it into a million pieces and hoofed it as best I could all the way down an ass load of stairs. <laughs> Running upstairs sucks ass, but those little tippy-tap steps you gotta do to run downstairs always feels bad, doesn't it? You Something undignified yeah. about the whole thing. <laughs> you can't skip steps down. It no. sucks. That's true. Anyway, I could hear him screaming after me in a blood-curdlingly hateful screech the entire way down the stairs, the echoes beating against the walls of my own brain as well as the concrete stairwell walls. 
It always felt as if he was one step behind me the entire way, but the feeling of the madness swelling in the sky above us was at least waning. What? What is happening? Father Marcus screamed out, the gasping screams of the congregation filling up the open <laughs> dome of the observatory soon after. They all stood transfixed at the sky above, as the red within the moon began to run out, like a hole was pierced at its bottom, the fleshy movement beneath it dragged out from within and relinquished as it drained. No, 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 he screamed, pointing <laughs> down to the audience below. Grab Kayla or flinch and bring him up here. We'll sacrifice one of them to re-blood the ritual. We will be victorious still. The guards holding their machine guns in one hand each grabbed both Kayla and Flinch by their arms, causing both of them to be jerked backwards. The sudden movement caused Flinch's side pocket to smack against his belt in just such a way that the final bullet in the revolver in his pocket went <laughs> off, firing straight down through his overcoat into the robe cultist's foot. The cultist, Indiana Jones as hell. the cultist threw his head back in a loud, pained scream, dropping his gun on the floor in a clatter. The other guard instinctively opened up fire, his gun held almost directly against Kayla's back. But to almost everyone in the room's surprise, the bullets ripped through the jacket and were ejected back into open air almost immediately on the other side, with a loud, metallic ping. Kayla. Kayla spun on her heel, using the confusion of the moment to spin-kick her guard in the chin and send him spilling backwards onto the floor in a heap, with one well-landed strike. She dove then, sliding across the floor and snatching up the machine gun from it, turning and firing it pretty much willy-nilly into the crowd of cultists. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Screams raised up, not of anguish of, as before, but of fear and pain as bullets sprayed into the crowd for only a moment dropping two or three cultists and sending the rest of them running for the fucking hills. She slid her hand up and under her leather jacket, yanking a connection free unseen beneath, and returning with a round silver shield in her hand, the front <gasps> of it covered in sickeningly spiraling shapes like an organic maze leading to a central point on the shield with a strange otherworldly symbol upon it. <gasps> the same silver shield she had picked up in the strange, horrific city beneath Huntington, West Virginia had now saved her life and was currently being swung around like a battering ram, slamming into the heads of any cultists mad enough to make a dash for her and flinch as she protected them both with it. God fucking damn it! Father Marcus screamed, <laughs> looking around frantically for another sacrifice. His empty, socketed mask eyes stopped on Anita standing on the other side of the dais. Uh -oh. No, no, dear, we're perfect together, aren't we? We found each other that cold Christmas Eve, and we made a family. Y you can't, she whimpered, stepping away from him with her hands up. Father Marcus simply drew his dagger to her and violently grabbed her by the arm, yanking her down onto the stone sacrificial slab right next to the dead body of the previous sacrifice. Yes, dear, you will bring about our glorious ascension, and we thank you for it, for your sacrifice. Kisses! <laughs> Father Marcus drew his knife up into the air, one swift strike of it to reawaken the blood moon and bring about a newly unstoppable Armageddon. And then, glass shattered into the gigantic, in the gigantic side window of the observatory dome, splintering into the room in wide, swirling arcs. 
exploding into the observatory was a Ford F-150 with a ladder on the back of it. <laughs> sailing through the air and then smashing into the side of the gargantuan telescope at its center before spiraling off into the dispersing crowd and sending dozens of them flying in its wake, bouncing across the room and against the walls from its force. The massive telescope swung from the weight of the truck hitting it, the mechanisms holding it in place exploding apart and flying in every direction. The gigantic steel form fell straight down, obliterating the raised platform in the center of the room and landing directly on top of a screaming Father Marcus, Yay. whose body was instantly crushed into a fine bloody paste under the incredible size of the machinery. Get take, hooked, bitch. Take that, Christian. <laughs> yeah, Father <laughs> Mucus. <laughs> the cultists who had not been filled with machine gun bullets or killed via indoor vehicular manslaughter, fled out of the observatory onto the streets and into the night, running for their lives and away from the carnage, leaving only the silent, empty, and utterly destroyed observatory behind. Kayla and Flinch stood together in stunned silence, staring at the F-150 wrecked in the center of the room and the dead bodies splayed out around it in the floor. <laughs> I think I pissed, Flinch murmured. <laughs> Yeah, Kayla said blankly. <laughs> the door of the F-150 creakily swung open, dangling off only one of the hinges at the bottom, revealing a sign that said Marcus Repair Service painted on the side of it. And from within the driver's seat, pluckily hopping down onto the floor of the room with a gigantic smile and a big cheesy thumbs up was none other than Myrtle Smelly. Yay! I fucking rule! Myrtle screamed, <laughs> throwing up devil horns with both hands and jumping up and down in place. She then began to violently shred on the air guitar, mimicking the sound effects of jamming with her mouth. Fuck everybody who isn't me! I'm the fucking coolest in the world! Yeah! Agreed. Uh, Alright, Kayla muttered out, coming out of her complete and utter astonishment at what just fucking happened. After what felt like an eternity of watching air guitaring, Flinch looked around <laughs> anxiously. Can we finally leave now? I haven't had any big league chew in like four hours now. <laughs> oh my god. If you fucking bring up big league chew one more goddamn time, Kayla screamed out in the middle of the wreckage left by all the carnage. I just saved the world, and this is all you two bozos are going to focus on? Seriously. Tell me how awesome I am right now. Compare me to Katniss Everdeen right the fuck now. <laughs> Myrtle began to throw a tantrum, and everything in the world was back to normal once more. <laughs> Excerpt from the case files of Adam Frankenstein, private investigator, New York, New York, fall 1934, entry 8 concludes. By the time I'd made it down to the street, the night was completely quiet again. Just the chirping of bugs at the corners and the occasional cat screeching when a neighbor throws a boot at it for doing a big cartoon song and dance number on a back fence. <laughs> I hailed a late night cab and sat pretty quiet with my thoughts on the way home. I'm a pretty clever guy, but I have to admit I didn't have clue one on what had really gone down at the Dust Corporation that night. I was trying not to think about the repercussions of crossing Dracula when I finally started to hear a strange sound at the edge of my hearing, like someone whispering from the next room, 
Except I was sitting in a cab with the smelliest driver this side of Jersey, trying to tell me about his newest invention. Some kind of fancy radio with a picture on it or something? I told him he should stick to driving a cab. <laughs> yeah, stick to driving a cab, Farnsworth. Eventually, the voice got louder and louder until it was like the talker was sitting right next to me, right in my ear. Even after only a night of knowing him, it was unmistakable whose voice it was. Mr. DeVille himself. Dracula. You haven't stopped my machinations, Mr. Frankenstein. You've simply delayed them. You see, no king has ever sat upon a throne for long who did not have a plan for all contingencies. This was simply one of many. What you have succeeded in doing is creating a sizable blood debt for yourself. One I very much intend to see to its fruition very, very soon. Bitch, he don't even got any blood. <laughs> we will see each other again, Mr. Frankenstein, at the time and place of my choosing. I will have my eye on you until then. Sleep well. <laughs> the voice <laughs> faded as it had come, and I was left in silence. The debt would come back to haunt me if you were wondering, but that's another story altogether. I'll get to it, I'll get to it. <laughs> Don't get to it, relax, audience. The moral of the story on this one, maybe it's as simple as curiosity killed the cat. Or maybe curiosity killed the cadaver? Uh, either way, case closed. <laughs> like the end of The Lord of the Rings, the endings kept happening. <laughs> Anita woke up laying on the cold, hard ground of the Whitesville Conservatory, the bright light of morning streaking in from the wide-open dome above her. Splintered, broken machinery lay around her in heaps and piles, and bloody, robed bodies lay scattered across the room in every direction she looked. She felt a sudden revulsion at seeing them, a desire to scream and run away, but it was supplanted in that moment as she looked down at herself and then around the room again. How long had she been here? She remembered coming into town for Christmas to claim a house her grandfather had left in her will. She remembered there being some legal question about why she was the heir, the answer seemingly being that she was his only living female relative at the time. The reasoning for that had become clear when she arrived and found herself the object of unwanted male desire. Time had become lost to her after Christmas Eve. Everything was a blur. She stood up and rubbed at her temples, trying to escape the strange cloudiness in her head that she felt was finally beginning to lift after a long, long time. How long, she couldn't possibly know. I'm... she muttered to herself, looking at her hands for a moment. Anita. Anita Strongman. My God, how long have I... What has become of my life? I... I... <laughs> she turned her hand over in the light and saw the watch dangling from her wrist. She glanced at the face and noted the time on it. Oh, wow. I'm so late for work. <laughs> she dusted her tattered, shredded red and white robes off and took off at a power walk through the front doors. I gotta call an Uber and get back to the godless bustle of the city. The Peterson account isn't gonna close itself. I gotta get the paperwork going on that acquisition if I'm ever gonna make corporate accounts manager by the beginning of the next fiscal year. Oh From one cult straight to another. Yeah. <laughs> and so went Anita Strongman over the dead bodies, past the F-150, and up the corporate ladder. 
The <laughs> end. <laughs> that was great. Very good echoes. Thank you. Man. That was really good, dude. I appreciate the hell out of that. I had to connect it directly back to the first ever mention of the Blood Moon in episode well, three. But also, in the last couple of episodes, you've connected every disparate yeah. thread you've had. Because you even did it with Candle Cousins as well. That's true. Very, very good. Good Yeah, writing. this is like HBO level writing. I'm serious. Thank like, you. Arless yeah. level. I get it. Arless. Arless <laughs> <laughs> dollar sign level. Arl dollar sign. I'm glad yeah. Anita got free just in time to accept her next horrible fate, corporate life again. Yeah, I kind of hate her more. <laughs> I I, I, yeah. I kind of think that she, like at least like a cult like wife, I could wrap my head around why somebody would maybe do that because you know you don't really gotta do a whole lot, right? But like, to why would you want to go? Why would you want to go work in this corporate? Yes. She was uh she was a a godless businesswoman from the big shitty city full of sinners and that's where she's headed back although <laughs> the big titty although it's been long enough that uh like I guess I guess, yeah, well, I guess I'll, re- I'll reveal this since I'm never coming back to this character. Mm. The kids weren't hers. Like she yeah. didn't have yeah, kids yeah. with this guy. He already had kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like I pointed out the way earlier and I feel stupid that I did now. That Anita is Anita Strongman from that story. Marcus is Neiman Marcus from that story. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and he was killed by his own truck. Fuck him. Yeah. <laughs> Contractors, man. Am I right? You right. <laughs> and he's a father, like a like a priest. This guy is mm. dipping his fucking stink dick in everything. Double fathers, uh, double echoes. There are yeah, two children of the corn ass. Uh, cult children that you can adopt now from Whitesville, Connecticut. <laughs> okay, I will. I'll get on it. <laughs> I know Rich is adoption crazy. He'll he'll do it. <laughs> He's no. gotta adopt me. No, well, two and done. I was gonna say one and done, but yeah, I I forgot I was your father, Josh. <laughs> yeah, because you're and, older than me. But you and Evan share the same birthday, so it's It'd only be so fair. easy. That would be fair. really easy. Yeah. And we both love Legos. There you go. There's yeah. going to be resentment, though, that they don't get their own birthdays. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't like my birthday, so that's fine. I'm good. Yeah. Well, you, plus, you do. We, we do take Evan out for cheeseburgers on his birthday because that's all he wants to eat. So, cheeseburgers. You know. <laughs> that's I, uh, just like called Wednesday here yeah, in America. True. Yeah. We do love them burgers. <laughs> uh, that's. That, as far as I know, for now, is the end of the Acolytes of the Third Birth. And well, I can't wait written. to write a story that's unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> I really want, since I've been watching a lot of uh, Yellow Jackets, I really want Christina Ricci to play Myrtle. <laughs> Myrtle's like 19, 18 or 19 years old. It's, Have you seen Christina Ricci? Yeah, she's still She's, she's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. I feel She's like ageless, I feel like man. she should be playing a character with more gravitas. Um, did you see that picture? <laughs> you should of watch her... Yellow Jackets. Did you see that picture of her dressed as Morticia? Oh no! no I need to look out. that up right now. I mean, yeah, I gotta, she this is for great. Yeah. She should be no, playing yeah. Morticia Adams. That's who she should be playing now. Yeah, she. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, she looks great, right? God damn! Yeah. What the fucking shit? Yep. 
I've had a Same. crush on her since I was a child. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Same. She did some things to me as Wednesday Adams. Yep. When I was yeah. I was. Yeah. I was the. I was like younger than Wednesday Adams, and I was like, oh, I like girls. It turns out. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she was like. I think in real life she's two two years older than I am. I don't know. She's a little older than I am. I mean, but uh. That doesn't yeah. matter. Josh is willing to look past that, Christy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know you're listening. I know don't, you're a big fan. Don't let that don't let that put you off of asking him out. Yeah. You know what they say about younger men? We have a lot of uh, boners. <laughs> Boner still works. <laughs> totally still works. <laughs> totally real, giant functional boner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I also like that Myrtle saved the day. Yeah, Myrtle Smelly to. versus the world. Yeah, I love Myrtle Smelly. She's the best. I just picture her as like an adult version of the little girl from the Mighty Bee. Like <laughs> I even picture her wearing like in my head, she's wearing like the fucking Cub Scout uniform. <laughs> yeah, the outfit. She the- will always be Irma to me from Turtles. Yeah, always. She's like, like a young Irma. Irma mixed with like Beavis, yeah. a little bit. <laughs> I see that. I see that. Oh, like new Beavis. Like if you watch the new uh, uh, Beavis and Butthead, which they're amazing. Like yeah, it's a I way better them. show than it oh, ever I, was. Yeah. Like, I need to check that out. It's so fucking funny now. Like it's actually like really funny. Yeah, <laughs> the, well, uh, I had yeah. no hope for it, but it's really yeah. Good. No, I yeah, it's really good. It's, as always, you could picture any of my characters looking any way you want. That's fine. Uh, I would say Richard Kind for Pavlov. Uh, <laughs> He's old, man. Irma for... Um, Cartoon character Myrtle. to play yep, Myrtle yep. makes perfect sense. And who would I get to play Kayla? Uh, I do have someone in mind. Zazzy Beats. In, in my head for Kayla. Uh, um, let me... Maybe I, Viola I, Davis. Uh, I I um. Uh, I think Simone Missick, who plays Misty Knight on Luke Cage. Oh, that's a great pick. Is who I have oh, in my yeah. head. For um, I said Viola Davis, but because she's such a badass. Yeah. Oh yeah, I can see that. Oh yeah, she's in a ton of stuff. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's that's my casting, and uh, whatever corpse can play Rio. <laughs> wow, oh, the wow. weekend at Barney's guy for Rio. <laughs> I always picture the guy from Man uh, Man from Nowhere, which is a great action movie. If you've ever seen, it's Korean. Uh, the Man from Nowhere cast, the main guy. Yeah, the main. Oh guy. yeah, that would work. Yeah, he's, like, real pretty. Yeah, I always pictured Rio being a real, like, pretty guy. Yeah, yeah. It's a shame. Oh, yeah, that guy. It's a shame he ate his mom and is dead. Yeah. It's a a bad way to go, isn't it? um, Someone uh, messaged me during the week and was like, I've got a theory about Jeff's story, and I'm not going to say it on here. I'm going to wait until we go to a break. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. Uh, and I was when he when he said it. It's a he, just a spoiler. Um, oh God! Wow, you it, was, who it is. <laughs> when he said it, um, I was like, "Oh my God, that's such a great idea!" 
But I don't want to. I didn't want to say. Maybe I'll steal it. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Um, Well, now we know it wasn't Christina Ricci, so that narrows it down. (laughs) I need Uh, to find a way to make a character Christina Ricci can play in my. You already did. It's (laughs) fucking Myrtle, dude. Telling you, she man. can play Myrtle if she watch. wants. She can play uh, anybody if she wants. Honestly, I'm fine with it. She can play yeah. my wife in real life. That would be hilarious <laughs> <laughs> if she, if she played Pavlov. Yeah. You know who could play Pavlov Flinch really well is uh, I'm just like googling up a storm here. Uh, did you guys see Poker Face? Like the first episode of it that's free. No. Natasha no, Leone is basically playing uh, Columbo in it. Right. She's girl Lumbo. Yeah, and... she's got um she's got can she see the future? No, she uh can just tell when people are lying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh yeah, Natasha Leone could play Pavlov Flinch. She totally could. Yeah. She's got that um natural slob vibe about her, hasn't she? In yeah. the nicest Slum- way possible. Slummy. Yeah, I need, she's like a slummy. Really, like, if I was casting this show, right, I would just cast myself as Pavlov Flinch. <laughs> I, like Larry David. Although like that doesn't make any David. sense, because Pavlov Flinch is, like, short and, like, looks like yeah. fucking uh, the guy from The Office and... Richard Kind put together. And you'd have to use actual chewing tobacco instead of big league chew because <laughs> you're addicted to big league chew and we had to go through like rehab with you. Um, do, you know who'd, crazy. do you know who'd make a good Adam Frankenstein? Ron Perlman. Oh yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I fucking love Perlman. I love Ron. Ron Perlman was like, hey CEOs, we're going to fucking come to your house. Yeah. yeah, we're just going to burn <laughs> your house that. down. Yeah. I was like, you rule. And everyone Ron. was like, I don't see anything. Nothing to see here. Yeah, I, I didn't see anything, Ron Perlman. Yeah. Yep. yep. All right. Time for a break. We'll be back with part three. AT&T, the right choice. Here we are, the last part. Let's hope I don't fuck it up. <laughs> you said last week that this is like an epilogue. Yeah, it is. It is. It's still 14 well, pages, but, you know. Jesus! What the fuck? Epilogues are not what 14. What the fuck? There's a lot left what? to do. How many, what the how many actual fucking Harry fuck? Potter kids do your characters <laughs> have? Does Malfoy have to look at Harry and be like, oh, I do. They've all got really bad makeup on. And they're still kids. Um, yeah, the episode, clearly 19-year-old kids. The episode is called Goodbye Yellow Brick Transdimensional Road. Nice. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with the yellow brick chode. There. I did too, actually. <laughs> Lionel sat on the grassy bank, watching the recruits being trained by Fincher and Ondar. Grissom's twin childhood friends were excellent teachers who taught through action, not words. The muted pair imparting their survival tactics wisdom to a squad of about 20. 
The twins looked much more at peace since they had met and fought on Pisneyland. Now, <laughs> remember that place? I remember yeah. Pisneyland. Now they had recovered from the torture and slavery at the hands of the evil admiral Saxon Pisney. The group was growing fast, much faster than Lionel could have predicted. They had already run out of room in Calandra's diplomacy and ethics and Daenerys' xenobiology classes. And Lionel now had nowhere to teach his references in contemporary Earth media classes, but outside Damn. by the lake. It's like Fry. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's it called? Uh, Lightbright. <laughs> it mainly meant him sitting on his own, watching and quoting movies by himself. But now he got to do that while being eaten alive by lakeside bugs. <laughs> what are you looking at so ferociously? Someone's not misquoting Jean-Luc Picard again, are they? Tamia smiled as she squatted next to him and kissed his cheek. He realised he'd been watching a younger girl who was struggling with the drills that the twins had been teaching her. She had sat out the lesson and took a bench at the side in frustration, or possibly sulkiness. He thought her name might have been Zilly or Zinny, maybe. He promised himself he'd go back and check on her when they were back from where they needed to go. Just, um, looking into a mirror, I guess, he smiled. He looked up at his wife. His smile fading when he noticed the hand she used to used to wear Hijoki on was buried in her pocket. It had been seven years since they had lost Hijoki, but she still subconsciously hid her hand away when she felt anxious, and this was certainly a day that would drag up old anxieties. She was also carrying a bag of knitting, which she had taken up between her missions, and Lionel saw a small sock on her needles. She had done this shortly after his death, hoping that if she wore a sock on her hand for long enough, that her jokey would somehow find his way back to her. Um, you're right, Tan. This isn't funny. This is sad <laughs> as fuck. Yeah, he warned yeah, us I, about this. I did warn you. Where's the said. fucking jokes at? <laughs> uh, um, are you okay, Tan? She followed his eyeline and stuffed the sock back in her bag. I'm fine, Lionel, I promise. I thought you'd want to know that Grissom's touching down in about five. We got the yodel when he entered the system. Also... <laughs> We thought we saw him on long-range sensors doing donuts around the Nabari Nebula, but actually he was just spelling out something with his antimatter exhaust. <laughs> Let me guess, it was Lionel's a dick, Lionel smirked. <laughs> uh, I think the noun was of a different gender, Tamia said. <laughs> Lionel's eyes stayed on the knitting bag. He, um, say if he settled that border dispute on Xanite? Tamia hooked a finger under his chin and lifted it to her face. He apparently tried chatting, tried partying, he even suggested they get all nude and wrestle it out. <laughs> but once he put his gun on the table, his actual gun, not his penis, those border <laughs> colonist poindexters just agreed to it the moment he offered them a pen. Lionel shook his head. It's not really the way I want us to operate now. Tamia wrapped her arms around his neck. A fox can grow grey, but it can't grow good, Lionel. If you want diplomacy, you send Calandra. If you want patience, you send Rawson. If you want a show of force and a potential public indecency offence, you send Grissom. Yeah. <laughs> Unless maybe you think we don't need to show force anymore. Lionel chewed the inside of his cheek. Not this again. Can't avoid it forever, Lionel. This isn't the Dukes of Lead anymore. The twins... Daenerys, even I can accept that the universe needs a new way of doing things. Grissom Graves can't. You need to stop forcing a bastard-shaped peg into a round hole because he's your friend. <laughs> what does a bastard shape look like? <laughs> Just Grissom? Yeah. 
Lionel it's like got a wily coyote grissom <laughs> shape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just like a cookie cutter. Lionel got up and helped Tammy up too. Maybe tomorrow, Tam. I certainly can't do it today. Agreed. Let's go welcome him home. Tammy slipped her hand into her pocket and offered Lionel the other one. And well done for not laughing at round hole. Lionel smirked. <laughs> what can I say? I'm all grown up now. The ribbon was cut with the laser scissors and it fell to the floor in a pleasing manner. But with it, Ludwig felt his spirits drop. It marked the end of a seven-year journey to take his mind off things he had yet to address and now there was no hiding. The applause drowned out his thoughts and he quickly smiled as Tabor slivered over to him. He offered him a tentacle, but Tabor knocked it away and wrapped the Krakenite in a massive hug, pushing the air out of his lungs. Uh, Careful, General. I'm not as young as I used to be. Anyways, you have a public image to keep up with, Ludwig puffed. Bullshit. Stuff we have been through together, they're lucky we're not raw-dogging on the steps. (laughs) (laughs) I feel that, man. Tabor smiled. And none of the general crap. Just because I'm a hero to these people doesn't mean you have to treat me any differently. You are the chief military advisor to the Queen of New Ithia. It's not crap, it's respect, Ludwig smiled. Tabor looked out over the new city that Ludwig had been instrumental in creating. The space dock, the library, the proto-Starbucks, so that everyone could say, let's not go to the proto-Starbucks, there's a better coffee place in town. (laughs) Everyone needs a proto-Starbucks to compare all other coffee to. (laughs) New Ithia was a gleaming paradise of crystal, metal and organic. What's uh, your next project, buddy? Strip club, maybe? Sexatorium? Ludwig smiled. Uh, There's not much left for me to do here. I'm a freedom fighter. The Omniverse is free. A silence fell between the pair of them before Tabor broke it. Um, haven't seen Mooks in a while. You know where she is? Ludwig nodded towards the building next door to the extension they had just unveiled, the new headquarters of the Mothman Prophecies. Where else? Mookie held the acolyte's forelegs in in their own shaky legs and tutted. The hair on the legs was singed and smelled awful, and Mookie looked up through their big spectacles at the young initiate and smiled. What am I going to do with you, Fonda? You know the braziers are not for touching, but for seeing the way to the databanks. They're moths! (laughs) Yeah, don't stick fucking open flames in the building then. I'm sorry, Mother Mookie, Fonda whispered, near tears. Don't call me Mother. Mookie will do. You don't need to be upset, little one. Many was the time as an acolyte that I burned my legs on braziers. They got up with a creaking groan and opened the first aid kit on the wall to remove a roll of bandages from inside. Pain shot through their back. They were getting old. Is it? The muffling started as Mookie rapped. Is it true that you were an Omniseer? Wallin and Freyto said that you were the most powerful seer the Prophesiers had ever produced. At Mookie's raised eyebrow, the youngling went on. If you don't mind me asking, what happened to you? Normally I would shout at young acolytes to get the hell out of my office and go back to their studies for rudeness like that, Mookie sighed, (laughs) and sat a little straighter as they finished up the bandaging. But you've asked on a particularly auspicious day. I burned out my powers to stop the literal representation of all sorrow and save the entire omniverse at the cost of my soulmate. Now I teach small children who touch things they should not. There. 
you can go back to your studies now. Fonda got up, looking behind her as she opened the door. I'm sorry I asked, but there was no need to make fun of me. She closed the door a little harder than she would normally, leaving Mookie in the dark. Fucking kids, eh? You never catch me having them, Tabor said as he slivered out of the shadows, catching the roll of bandages that Mookie dropped. Partially because I'm the last of my species, but also because kids are more savage and cruel than a hundred technomancers. <laughs> Damn you, Tabor, you scared me, Mookie hissed. I thought there was nothing to be scared of anymore, since we're big, victorious heroes and all. Tabor laughed as he raided Mookie's cabinet and found a bottle of Dank Pit Dwarf Ale. <laughs> you were holding out on us, Mooks. You had this back on the swift feather? Mookie sighed. I was keeping it for a special occasion. By all means, this is the best occasion in the year these days. Tabor put an arm around Mookie's shoulder. His friend looked ancient, and he was reminded that moth lifespans were not as long as most humanoids. It's... Yeah, like four days. <laughs> it's... it's good to see you, Mooks. They hugged him. You too. I look around at all these children to remind myself why we fought, because we don't seem to be getting much from it. Table was taken aback. Mooks, we're still alive. My point exactly. Mookie pulled a metal cylinder from the desk, took Doots' key tar from its place on her on the wall, then turned to Tabor. Shall we go get Ludwig? Barthor leaped high into, high into the air and kicked the harvester in the face, and as she doubled over in pain, Blotch lifted her cudgelled hand to knock the woman's head cl- uh, back. She fell to the floor in a heap. I haven't seen one of these in a fair whack. Barthor sat down on a log <laughs> and inflated his, inflated his throat pouch. <laughs> Love that guy. <laughs> Nigh on two years now, I think. Nice to have harvesters instead of mythological beasts for a bit. Speak for yourself. I like hunting blood-sucking things with teeth and thangs. Sod's law won a turn up today, Blotch tutted, holding the metal portal device in her hand. Bloody harvesters should have got the message by now. Barthor pulled his own metal cylinder from his pocket and clinked it to hers in a toast. Gotta do what needs to be done. It's just a day. You want to see your friends, don't you? Of course I do, Blotch sighed. Just brings it all back, you know. I'm scared of seeing that place again, of feeling that pain. It's like I always say, lass. We need to take the times to remember the bleak bits. Barthor rose as the harvester stirred and brought his axe clean down into the back of the... That is so British. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) Into the back of the murdering heap of metal and flesh, spraying blood and oil into the air. (laughs) Can't always be this fun, you know. Heath sat cross-legged on the Ithian plains they had beaten the Technomancer on all those years ago. He woke to his internal alarm and stood. He had not moved for over 300 days, and the grass clung to his body as he pulled away from the ground. He had been doing important work. Now he was the literal embodiment of the two diametric governing forces of the Omniverse, it was his job and his alone to move critical energies from reality to reality in order to keep the heap death at bay. Oh, is that all? <laughs> Just that small job. Oh, it's it... like a janitor-level <laughs> pay for that? He's not unionised either, so it's less than that. Oh, oh my God. No scabs. <laughs> Um, it required intensely minute calculations that took over 99% of his runtime, the other approximate 1% being devoted to removing all traces of internet memes from existence. Oh, fuck, I oh, love my it. hero. Oh, my hero. <laughs> Jeez. 
He felt <sighs> it was the lowest form of humour, and even a previously emotionless robot could see that it was just recycling. <laughs> it do be like that. They, they don't think it'd be like that. But, but it, it do. do. <laughs> but this day, he could afford himself a break. He felt the Duke's energies in him praise himself for self-care, and the Technomancer berate him for stepping away from his job to enjoy himself. He wondered if all humanoids felt like this, this constant cycle of contradictory dichotomy that almost seemed to paralyse all reason and decision-making. Yes, yep. Heath, the answer is yes. We're all well. fucking idiots. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Life sucks. <laughs> the once-dead plains of Iphia had been rewilded under his watch, and Iphia was now a solar-punk world where nature and civilization worked in hu- harmony. Fuck yeah. He had re-risen the dead of this world using the native ambient energies of the planet, and by their acts, they had the they had fed the energy of Old Ithia. It was neat. It was effective. It was a Final Fantasy VII ripoff. But, <laughs> but it made him happy to create new life and tend to it like a garden. He was well aware that this made him what some organics might refer to him as a god of sorts. But he would not let that thought have any credence. He was simply doing what needed to be done. You get used to it, Heath. (laughs) He turned to the memorial, which had become overgrown with wildlife in the last year. With a turn of his hand, he absorbed the life energy of the plants and insects around the monoliths of rock and redirected it elsewhere. Was this how the quest for power had started for the Technomancer, he wondered? Yes, whispered the Technomancer's energy. No, (laughs) stated the Dute's energy. Malcolm, the imaginary dog he had begun seeing, swiftly put his hand up. He also had an opinion, but Heath tended to ignore Malcolm, considering he was a clear and obvious sign of psychosis. (laughs) Ignore your psychosis. You heard it here first. (laughs) It'll probably go away. (laughs) Or become a (laughs) tumour. Nice to see you up and about. I thought you would be home for bees if staying there much longer. Stoker came out of the tree line, holding six kegs of strong ale that the dead Ithians had made especially for the heroes of the Omniverse War. The ageless bug still hobbled after his beating at the hands of the Technomancer, and though his wings were still attached loosely, they hung limp from his shoulders like a beautiful patterned cloak. He would never fly again. Hmm. Hello, Stoker. How Where are the been? jokes? <laughs> there are no there's hardly any jokes in the story i'm really sorry <laughs> what a way this to end sad. it sad hello stoker how have you been this last year heath said i am enjoying unending life with zombie people lots to do <laughs> much time to do it stoker placed the kegs down on the soft grass were you not supposed to build hall for us to meet in this year peoples will be here in no times Ah, yes, Heath said, as he raised his arms. The ground shook as he drew from the particulates in the soil to build a magnificent meeting hall of stone and mortar that was erected in ten seconds. Busting my back building this last year when he just pulls perfect buildings out of ground! (laughs) Stoker muttered as he took the kegs into the building. With the memorial tended, with refreshments already being transported by the inhabitants of Aldifia and the meeting place set, Heath sat and waited, not working, but devoting all runtime to anticipation of seeing his friends again. Come here, you piece of crap. Grissom wrapped Lionel in a bear hug, lifting him off the floor and damn near snapping every rib. Grissom kissed him on the head. It's damn good to see you, little brother. Oh. 
You too, Chris. Lionel held him out at arm's length. He was looking old. His dark skin was lined at the eyes and mouth, and the black springy goatee he sported was now more grey than black. Been a while. Getting the missions directly from Tam means I don't have much time to come back to the barn. Grissom looked around. The Dukes of Lead compound had become almost like a college campus. While there were military-like drills, shooting practice, students under a tent were discussing the merits of social intervention and critical care, which to Grissom was entirely too much bullshit to devote any brain space to. <laughs> Looks uh, a bit different from my day. And I know it might seem a little namby-pamby to you, Lionel said. Not as namby-pamby as a grown-ass man using the term namby-pamby. <laughs> Lionel ignored him and went on. But the new dukes the new dukes need to be part teacher, part social worker, part diplomat, part protector. We need to help, not just to shoot first. Otherwise we're just some fascist police force. Grissom raised a hand to stop him before he brought out a PowerPoint presentation or something. (laughs) (laughs) There's a reason I put you in charge, Lionel. I trust you more than anyone I've ever known. If there's a man alive that was meant to do this, it's you. Lionel stopped and turned to his friend, with a smile. That might be the nicest thing you've ever said to me, Grissom. Grissom looked down at Lionel and then kept walking. You got spinach in your teeth, kid. Straighten up for Crom's sake. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go get Tam and see the gang. Lionel sighed. I've just got to pick up a present for Mookie from the lab first. Blotch gasped as she stepped through the portal at how green the planet had become. When they were last here, the ash in the air was so acrid it burned your throat, and the wildlife carried pocket knives and huddled around burning chariots. Damn, this planet sounds awesome. It's like Philadelphia. (laughs) Now, the planet had been reclaimed by nature, with winding creepers passing through buildings and out of the old half-destroyed wagons. From the portal, she could see the great tree of Harad Natar in the capital city of Etrus. When Halley, Barthor and Rhea had fallen in battle against the Technomancer, the tree was dead. But now it was flourishing again, the great structures built into the tree showing signs of busy activity. She felt herself silently sob. Her home was healed, and if not for the fact that this place carried so much sorrow for her, she could see herself returning. Weird, right? Tabor slid in next to her. You, (laughs) You can never come home again, and not just because your dad caught you doing something questionable to a sofa cushion. (laughs) (laughs) you said that like everyone is going through (laughs) she she turned and gave him such a hug that he had to reduce in size all her worries about returning all her anxiety melted away to be replaced by love it's so good to see you you slivering puddle of black jizz (laughs) (laughs) that is no way to treat a military leader Tabor laughed (laughs) I wouldn't let you lead me to a buffet cart, Tabor. <laughs> Grissom whispered behind him, and Blotch and Tabor embraced him, Lionel and Tamir in return. Grissom was as rugged as ever, but the years were starting to take their toll. Tamir was just as beautiful as she always had been, but it still hurt to see her without her jokey. She was staring at the monument, and Lionel... Oh, sorry, she was star- She was stood staring at the monument, quiet. Lionel was a man now, and not like the pissant little man-child he had previously been. (laughs) He held himself differently, filling the space as if he owned it. He reminded her of a younger Grissom. How are you guys doing? 
How are the new dukes settling in? Tabor asked. Tiring, Lionel said, but rewarding. Always spots for you two there. He knew it was futile to offer. He asked them every year, but there was a part of him that felt if he could get them all together again, it would feel the unease in his heart. I wouldn't leave Barthor again, Blotch said. To be honest, we're having so much fun hunting monsters in his reality that I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Same, said Tabor. New Ithia takes up a lot of my time now. The general title is just for show. I'm mainly sorting out quarrels and putting things straight. Sounds like you're both new dukes anyway, Tamia said, still looking at the stone structure. It's not surprising. We all knew what was sacrificed to get us here. None of us want to lose it now it's here. It's too important for us not to spend the rest of our lives helping others. They all stopped and stared at her, wondering if she was truly okay. But Tamia turned to smile at them. You all need to stop worrying. The Omniverse is safe and we're all happy. You're all waiting for the other shoe to drop, but it's not going to. I am now! (laughs) We're safe. We won. Couldn't have said it any better myself, Tamia, Ludwig said from the open door of the lodge, Mookie and Heath behind him. Stoker sprawled out of the lodge, beer in hand, and scuttered over directly into the nearby tree line to be alone. Lionel gasped. Mookie looked so old, their fur now more white than brown. Though their frame was still live and thin from the, tra- from the transformation, Mookie walked with a hunch and held Heath's arm as they walked. Lionel almost sprinted to them, kneeling down and wrapping his arms around Mookie. You put some meat on those bones, Mookie whispered. It suits you. You look, he began, old, as cool as you always did. Lionel finished, squeezing them tighter. He leant in to whisper to Mookie's ear, You saw all these futures, and now we're living in one. Doesn't quite feel real, does it? I knew you'd understand, Mookie said. Heath! Grissom nodded. Heath nodded in return. Mr Graves, before you ask, there have been no murderous urges or technomancer appearances. He (laughs) is at peace inside me. How can you be the same person? Blotch asked. If you have all those dukes and technomancers inside. I suppose it is much akin to all the voices you humanoids seem to have inside yourselves, telling you to be good, or take a risk, or hold the line. It takes a lot of control, but I feel much more balanced, much more real. So long as you aren't feeling the urge to really skint us, then I'm happy for you, buddy. Tabor patted him on the back. (laughs) Still doesn't feel right, does it? Tamia stood in front of the memorial. A sculpture of a stone watch, a keytar and a sock, springing from a central stone plinth. <laughs> Us being Dude, here. I want that. <laughs> <laughs> Us being here and not them. There was a small part of me that felt we could all make it through, regardless of the danger we were in. As if we had some sort of plot armour or something. <laughs> <laughs> Little did they know. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. The the Lord's cruel, I suppose. Ludwig rented a tentacle against his chin. I miss him, Tam. Me too. They were such a big part of my life, even for a short time. Hijoki wasn't the only family I lost fighting the Technomancer. Ellie and Dutes are always there, shining points in my mind. Tamia ran her hand over the bag of knitting. Ah, uh, miss you guys as well, Ludwig said sad- sadly. Tamia knelt down to, uh, knelt down to her friend who was straightening his waistcoat. You can come back and live with us. You're always welcome. Ludwig smiled. 
I guess so. Wonder if they knew we were going to win. I hope they didn't die worrying about us. You said there was a part of you that thought we'd all make it. I know my father felt the same. They all knew. Grissom, Blotch and Tabor stood next to them in silence. None of the three were good at this performance of mourning. Grissom would much rather go out and get a drink or find a willing bed partner after someone had died. To remind I'm himself... right here. <laughs> to remind himself he was still alive, not because he was aroused by the debt. <laughs> A good distinction to make. <laughs> he good felt the need to make that. He needed to feel something other than sad. They had all experienced much too much of that. What's up with Stoker? Blotch said, looking over her shoulder at the moth. He was leaning next to a tree, his back against the trunk, and had drawn his knees up to the rest his head on them. Maybe he feels conflicted or something, Tabor offered. Doesn't want to bring us down. But what made us like what made us special when his family lost? Must be tough. Lionel stood with Mookie and Heath, not really knowing what to say other than he had missed his friends. These yearly meetups were getting more difficult each time. In some ways they were stuck in this place, never moving, never changing. A multiverse surrounding them, but unable to climb out of this gravity well. He spoke suddenly, not realising what he was going to say until he blurted it out. This is the last time we should come here. If we don't move past this, then we didn't end this sorrow, and all our sacrifice was, uh, sacrifices were for nothing. I want to see you guys without all this hanging over us. Our story's done. We need to let it go. Agreed, Tamia said, gesturing to Hijoki's statue. I carry my father in my heart, along with Dutz and Ellie. I don't need a place anymore. Mookie sobbed. I can't keep seeing her like this. It's not what she'd want. It's not her. Stoker scuttled over and and landed with an unceremonious thump at Mookie's feet. No, I will not have this. You all deserve to be happy. You love these people, just as I loved my own news. Fires that that burn bright last shorter amount of time. We, and we alone, know that time is flat circle. Eventually all (laughs) of us might be here again together, and we should celebrate that. You all saved me, and we saved a universe of universes. We killed sorrow. Let's not dredge it back up to life by moping. Um, are stupid, or did what he said make a lot of sense? Ludwig asked. Stoker turned his head to one side and vomited all the ale he had drank over the past two days, (laughs) along with a whole fish skeleton. into a patch of dry grass by the memorial. Your prophet, sir, Tabor bowed towards Stoker. (laughs) Lionel Lionel gestured to Heath and removed a small cylinder from his pocket and gave it to his friend. Heath, Ludwig and I, have been working on something for you, Mookie. Heath extended the cylinder, the small shape extending into a full telescope with a thin-legged tripod. He placed it down, then checked his internal chronometer, then orientation, before turning the telescope and bending down to it. Ah, there we are, he gestured to Mookie. Prepared to do some time travelling? Mookie, he- uh, Mookie looked to Heath with suspicion and then bent to peer through the telescope. There, in the centre of the image, was the shining, moving, sleeping body of Dutz. She mm. lay in a fetal position, surrounded by a vast, colourful emptiness. She was so bright against the background, so luminous, that even she lit the dark shape of the technomancer lying alongside her. Mookie pulled herself away from the viewer. How? 
It takes about a second of for light. To, uh, it takes about a second for light to travel to your eye from your typical moon. That means we're not really seeing the moon, but it's echo from a second ago. The further afield we look, the further back in time we see, Lionel said proudly. It uh, started as a project Lionel gave us to try and prevent a historical event, Ludwig shrugged. I Listen, I just thought it was a mistake for Lucas to sell Star Wars to Disney, all right? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't long after they bought those nuclear codes and started the war on Earth. <laughs> you know what? I believe it. Oh, yeah. Heath nudged Lionel. What you are seeing is the recombination, the period about 400,000 years after the universe was reset, when light and ordinary matter decoupled, when Doots and the Technomancer were born. Mookie stared at the telescope, then back at her friends, crying freely. This is amazing. I can see her one last time. She's at peace. The crew retreated to the lodge, where way too much reminiscing, drink, food and laughter was had. There was a vaguely last time feeling around the, uh, around the celebration, and when it was time to say goodbye the next morning, no next meeting was arranged. Grissom sidled up to Stoker as they walked to the disembarking point. Our agreement? Stoker nodded. You mean watching over Metal Fiend inside Metal Friend? <laughs> yeah, Grissom nodded. Ah, don't think it's needed anymore. Heath has it covered. It's taken a while, but i got to admit the robot has earned my trust. Ivor, stay. Watch over him and make sure Heath himself stays okay. If peoples find out what treasure he has inside, they could try crack him open like nut. If they try, I crack their nuts. <laughs> the two shared a fist bump. They arrived at the plane to turn to Heath, who simply asked, Who would like to disembark first? I uh, wanted you all to know together I'm going back home, Ludwig said, not making eye contact. There are many Krakenites who may f- need help freeing themselves from the slavery our technomancer put in place. Tamia, feeling a sting of guilt at her father's actions, stepped forward. The Dukes will help you with that. I got a candidate in mind who might need a bit and need the chance to demonstrate a bit of violence. Lionel smiled. Gris, that sound good? He turned to Ludwig like a kid on Christmas morning. Likely to be murder and dismemberment or headbutting <laughs> opportunities. <laughs> Steep curve. <laughs> At Ludwig's nod, he gave a thumbs up. Spin her up, Heath. I got fuckos to kill. <laughs> fuckos. <laughs> Still can't convince you to come home. Tabor blo- prodded Blotch, already knowing the answer. Dude. I am home. You should come visit. Their Tabor is almost as obnoxious as you are. Well, you almost have me coming through with you now. I'll visit as soon as I can. Got my promise on that. Tabor wrapped himself around her in a snake-like hug. The glowing portals of orange swelled into life as the crew embraced and said their goodbyes. They felt like proper goodbyes to Tamia, and that in itself felt right. She loved every person and disgusting trash-eating giant moth here, like they were family. (laughs) (laughs) The family she never had. The family she had desperately craved after her own parents were gone. But they had lives to live. Tabor watched as Lionel's crew and Blotch walked through their respective portals, and then stared back at Mookie. You're not coming, Mooks. Mookie shook their head. Not quite yet. Tell the prophecies I'm taking a leave of absence for a while. 
Tabor rushed to Mookie, giving them the squeeze of their life. I love you, little bug. I love you too, they whispered. He slithered through the portal, unable to look back, and once they had all closed, Heath stood with Mookie in the clearing. I take it you wish to take another look through the telescope? No, I wouldn't be able to use it again without breaking. But I do want one last thing, Mookie said as she pulled Doots, as they pulled Doots's keytar from behind them and passed it to Heath. She's in there with you, isn't she? Yes. Doots loved you very much. I feel it every day, Heath said, sitting cross-legged in the grass by the memorial and taking the keytar. Play for me, please, the old moth said, laying down on the ground at Heath's feet. Heath began to pluck at the keytar, seemingly discordant notes that at once harmonised. It was a tune Heath did not know until he recognised that the tune was something Doots often played for Mookie when they would share nights together. It was soft and firm, melodious and stark, everything that the best relations, relationships are and were. Mookie closed their eyes and reached out with their senses in a way they hadn't dared in years, using what was left of powers they had burned away. Mookie felt nothing, a long tunnel of dark with her at one end, alone and empty. And then, a light appeared, soft and comforting. A golden hand probed out of that light towards Mookie. How? Mookie said. Who the hell said the cycle we destroyed was the only one, the voice said. I need a partner for the next adventure. Are you game? Yes, Mookie said and took the hand. He finished playing, flooded by emotions he had never felt before. I am sorry, Mookie. What did you say? He reached down to Mookie, but his friend wasn't breathing, wasn't moving. Mookie? Mookie, omniseer of the Mothman prophecies, was still. A wide smile plastered across her f- their face. <coughs> Sorry, that was an inopportune moment to cough. How dare you make me feel my own feelings? <laughs> yeah, this is this is good as fuck, but <laughs> sad as shit. On our comedy podcast. <laughs> and uh, then and then there's a joke, right? There, there'll be maybe. Um, <laughs> you. You think we're doing... Well, I've still got to do the outro yet, and you know that's going to go badly. So. Oh, that's going to be <laughs> that, a train That will save so, me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you think we're doing the right thing with the Dukes? Lionel said as he stood on the verge, watching the same group of kids he watched the day before. The same girl was having problems with her defensive form and getting frustrated again. I think a problem needs a hammer. But a lot of the nails are gone now, Lionel. I don't know what you want me to say. Grissom noticed that Lionel was only half listening and was watching the group of kids that were being taught combat manoeuvres by his friends. You listening to me, shit for brains? <laughs> Lionel lifted a hand. I am, I just... The girl who was having problems... The girl who was having problems moved to the bench again and put her head in her hands. Lionel started walking down the hill towards her, calling back to Grissom. Give me a sec, Griss. I just need to help this kid out. Yeah, yeah, I'll be here, Grissom said watching Lionel as he ran down the hill before picking up his bag and turning back towards the conveyance of Grissom Graves 3. You've got a third one. Tamia was standing there by the ship, hand in pocket, knitting bag across her body. You are a terrible liar, Grissom Graves, Tamia said. <laughs> Don't start, he said as she, as she joined him in the walk back to the ship. Lionel doesn't need my opinion. He's got a good compass. He's got heart and he's got you. Kids so much like Emmeth, it hurts to be around him sometimes. 
Timia sighed as she approached the vessel and Grissom started loading the ship up. I know. He needs to cut his apron strings from you. I told him as much. But he loves you. I think it bothers him that he doesn't see you as much anymore. The two of you were the Bonnie and Clyde of the universe for a while back there. I just need to put some distance between me and Lionel so he isn't always asking my opinion. He's a much better teacher than I ever was, Tam. Plus, there's a, t- there's a universe of mess out there that needs tidying up. But I won't be far off. Grissom threw his bag into the hold. You think I won't be back when my nephew's born? Tamia was white as a sheet, <laughs> stopping dead in her tracks. What? He turned to her, smirk on his face. I clocked the knitting. Lionel and the others were thinking you were knitting another hajoki, but those socks are way too small. Too small, yep. He hasn't put two and two together yet, has he? She laughed. You remember who we're talking about? Plus, I'm only five weeks along. I didn't want to jinx it. Grissom smiled. I'm happy for you both, but this won't impact you. Won't this impact your life of backflips and decapitations? Tamia, <laughs> Tamia looked horrified. You think I'm the stay-at-home mother type? Lionel can play wet nurse while I'm bringing home the bounties. She hugged him. <laughs> And despite his hatred for public and private displays of affection, he squeezed her back. I'm proud of you both, and I know that Hajoki would be even prouder. Yeah, that's it. Then you lift your elbow and then square your hips. You'll get more power in the block, Lionel nodded, smiling at the girl's form. She thrust with the blade, but sighed at her lack of power. I just can't get it. You will, Zilly. It took me a long time too. Grissom said I had the form of a dead goose being fucked by a mangle when he first started teaching me. What? <laughs> Lionel took a deep breath, remembering how irritated that old bastard had made him. And if you don't get it, that's okay. Got a whole ton of rolls at the new Dukes. Just because you might not be able to use a blade doesn't mean you can't help people in a thousand other ways. I'll keep practising, Silly smiled. Thanks, Mr. Ritchie. She ran off to rejoin the lesson. Ondar giving him a thumbs up in thanks. Mr. Ritchie, fuck, she just killed you, dude. Lack of form or not. (laughs) (laughs) Tamiya bent down and put her arms around his neck. I warn you, if you start to go senile, I'm going to put a pillow over your face. (laughs) (laughs) Engines roared overhead as Grissom's ship departed to meet Ludwig. Lionel looked up and watched the ship break atmosphere with a characteristically noisy bang. He smiled, wishing his friend well, then stared out into space for a minute or so, thinking about how many other versions of him might be out there, thankful for the fortunate life they'd been given. Hey, Tamia whispered, where are you? Lionel smiled and rubbed the arm that was wrapped over him. I'm just like you, Tam, just like Tabor, just like Mookie, like Dutes and Blotch, Grissom and Heath, Ludwig, Hijoki, Ellie. He sighed a contented smile. Everything was going to be okay. I'm everywhere. The end. My God, God. Rich Masters. Yeah, I'm sorry. That was sad. (sighs) I am glad that you wrote it because this is like epic as fuck. (laughs) Yeah, that was wonderful from beginning to end. But making me feel feelings on my comedy podcast, come on. Yeah, I Nobody know, I makes think... me feel feelings, Rich. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> not you. Not my dad. Not my dad. Did I say that twice? Hmm. You did. Not your new dad. Not your old dad. 
yeah, I had to I had to do a little uh, sad sad ending. I can't do happy ending. It's not it's not sad ending. It's just a bit. No, it's bit not of sweet. either. It's both. Yeah. It's yeah. a realistic it's ending. ending. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's I mean, I I'm pissed that I'm not gonna get to hear about them anymore. Yeah. But, you know. But they maybe they, I can sweeten the deal a little bit. <laughs> and then a meteor hits the planet when they're all still on it. And they all die. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I didn't kill them all. I did. No. Kill, I did kill Mookie though. But for a good you, reason, you, right? Sure. I yeah. mean, I guess if like killing sorrow is good. <laughs> I didn't want um, it to be a uh, killing your gaze moment, right? So I wanted to give them some sort of door into a new future. Mm-hmm. That was nice. Like, that was a beautiful yeah. touch. I like that a lot. No, it was great. Yeah, it was really great. Yeah. Oh, glad I you liked it. I knew I want I don't want to say I'm I knew genius. you knew I knew about the kid I knew yeah I heard you I yeah, heard I you do a kid. do a breathe like Josh does a it's got a little tail where he does a when he when he knows yeah. what's happening yeah <laughs> yeah you, it, you could also tell when Josh knows where the joke is going before it gets yeah. there <laughs> because he'll just quietly kind of laugh at a little bit in the background like <laughs> like. <laughs> Like, he knows where the joke is about to go. It's coming. (laughs) Hey, I'll be right out. Thanks, truck. (laughs) There was a fucking lawnmower during the story. I I heard it. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't hear the lawnmower. I got fucking Dom Toretta's whole crew out here today. (laughs) They're racing for pink slips. I gotta... I don't know. No, that was was a wonderful epilogue, and I loved it. I oh, yeah. uh, I had to feel feelings though, which is as a man I should never have to do. Uh, yeah. yeah, as a toxic man, I feel like that yeah. you've poisoned me, and now I'm slightly less manly. As a as a That's big good. cog in the patriarchy, I really hate that I had to feel <laughs> feelings. We are, we are typical toxic males. You are right. <laughs> Talking about cars I'm, and sports all the time. Yeah. Talking about cars and uh, lawnmowers. Like real man. <laughs> Our number one viewer, Christina Ricci. Yep. Viewer? She would have loved it. Viewer, listener, whatever. whatever. Sometimes sometimes you watch the screen while you watch a podcast. If you listen I to I watch the, the little yeah, I watch the my bar. audio. That's, watch the bar yeah. go. <laughs> Yeah. Perhaps Christina Ricci one. can do a one-woman show of all of our stories. <laughs> that would be she great. She could do it. That would be great. I hear she's not if busy. If anyone could. <laughs> no, no. No no actor is busy at the moment. No, not right now. Uh, yeah. I believe it's called Scabbing. Um, that story yeah. was 10 out of 10. Like I feel yeah. content with how everything ended. I feel the sorrow... And I feel the the comfort of the saved future at the same time. That's like a perfect. This is the epilogue. greatest episode we've ever done. It's been a good one. It's been a good one. Jeff, you, I was there. Josh, your story <laughs> fucking rolled. It got me hyped for the next season. Yeah. Oh my god. I don't know. I mean, I don't. Know. I don't know what I the mean, fuck Rich is doing next season. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've got like about four ideas, but I've not really drafted any sort of like thing i've not thought yes so am I... I too have so many ideas <laughs> i'm, I'm really just so many i do have a few stories none of them are connected even slightly <laughs> yeah i might do that i might that's what i might do i might start 
doing some branching and then see how it comes together. Did you say raunching or Bran- branching? Bra- branching. 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 Is that like Sorry, an English branching? Branch? Like branching. Bronk? Yeah, you gotta go on like, the tree branch. Like, eh? like the be- like the the most amazing <laughs> television show ever made. Bronk. You're gonna bronk out. You're gonna bronk out. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Bronk is he's a guy. <laughs> we don't know anything about interview. that show. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that fucking interview with the dude who played him. He's like, Bronk's just a guy. He's just a guy. He's got this famous catchphrase, Bronk out with your conk out. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> so he made says, shirts of it. Yeah, so what he says before he kills someone, before he smokes a fool. Smokes. I'm, I'm really excited to see where 357. <laughs> I'm really excited to see where Darinos goes because the story yeah. is still ongoing. We don't know where it's gonna go. Darinos will never end. Yeah. Um, I'm excited That's to see Rich, uh, like weave us a new narrative full of characters he can kill and make us feel better. Yep. Yep. That will never I'm ex- change. I'm excited to write some standalone stories that I don't have to weave into a narrative haphazardly because I mm-hmm. I feel. Uh, jealous that Rich hasn't married. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might, I might not be able to pull one together next next season. I this was tough. This was tough. Yeah. This, is, this was like a full episode, like TV it's 26 series. Episodes. Twenty six yeah, episodes. Twenty six episodes. It's not even a full TV series anymore because they only do ten, right? No, no one does twenty six ever. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It was like a, it was like a full nineteen nineties, mm, t- early two yeah. thousands television show. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I might just mm-hmm. cheat. I might just cheat and adapt to my book and put some jokes wow. in there. I might cheat and adapt my book. The well, book it's never I've getting written. it's never getting published, so you know I might as well make some use out of it. I have an idea for a book that'll never get published. I'm pretty excited. Is it it's just called Alf? A complete <laughs> visual history that'll get published. Everyone loves Alf. It's pictures <laughs> of God. Christina Ricci in a coffee book table, uh, coffee table book. <laughs> Creepy We've ass photos of Christina idea. Ricci, I take, take by Jeff Pennington. Just take it around Los Angeles or wherever. Telefo- telephoto lens stories by that, Jeff Pennington. That's called paparazzi, Jeff. <laughs> I heard a song about that once. <laughs> paparazzi don't preach. Mm. Paparazzi don't preach. preach. I'm in trouble. Camera. I'm in the bushes deep. I made up my mind. I'm taking your photo. <laughs> I think um, that's my least favorite Madonna song. Yeah, uh, I agree. That maybe yeah. that or Lucky Star. I'm not. I'm not. Oh, Lucky Star is great. I like Lucky I Star. Mm, I'm not a big Lucky Star fan. I like um. Uh, what's the Dress one? Dress you up in my love. I like that one a lot. That's a good one. I, the one where the, in the video the kid goes to the peep show. Uh, all of oh, them. Yeah, oh my god! <laughs> I can I can hear it, but I can't yeah. remember what it's called. What's it sound like? Oh my god! You can't you can't do that on command. <laughs> I can't. Yeah, I know. That's a that's a horrible question to ask somebody. It's like asking me to piss on command. <laughs> I, uh, I like the va- the vacation song. That's that's the go go's. No, when she's like, uh, uh, <laughs> like I was just like no. <laughs> Uh, let me type in Madonna vacation holiday. Holiday, oh, holiday. yeah, right. Yeah. The, the word yeah. for vacation. Why didn't I? 
Yeah, it's your word for vacation. Yep, I know, I know. Feel stupid now. This Um, is when are you going on holiday? This is not podcast material. I am, I am going on holiday in a couple of weeks to a place. I know because it's August. You guys are all like abandoned England. Yeah, like get out. Uh, We're we're only going to go away for like four days or something into the country and go on some walks and stuff. Um, Don't go into Sherwood Forest. The sheriff is there and. You guys He's pissed. are in for it. <laughs> He's pissed. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm glad we have a break next week. Yeah, yeah, me we too. I'm glad too. I, I, I feel I feel like I really pissed out all of my writing ability in this episode. Um, it, it's uh, it's been like really hard for me to get anything done the last few weeks. Yeah. Like I'm just completely oh God, like checked the fuck out. Yeah, me like, like every everything going wrong in my life for a while yeah. has just left me like. Uh, I yeah. mean, I don't even have that excuse. I'm just like, I don't fucking know. I'm just like done, man. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'm like just like done. Holiday, <laughs> holiday, <laughs> celebrate. Um, on that joyful note, we're gonna close <laughs> the cover. Yeah. On the last episode, of season dum, dum, dum. One. Oh, you dropped it! You dropped it! Shit! Uh, Shit! It's all dented oh. now. <laughs> Somebody will pick it up. Yeah, I'm not doing it. We'll get prompt board to clean it up later. Yeah, I'm not going down this rickety old stairs to go get that book. Speaking of prompt bot, you can go back in the cupboard, prompt bot, for a couple of weeks because we don't need you because we don't need any prompts this week. Please help me! Don't close the. I want to be a real boy. <laughs> Well then, pick better fucking prompts, prompt bot. Oh, fucking told him. Um, we'd like to say a massive, massive thank you to Vidizen for the use of his music. Um, you can find out all of uh, Vidizen's details, upcoming schedule, where he's going to be, so you can pap him in the bushes um, at vidizen.card.com. <laughs> like yeah. pap smear? What are you well, talking no, about? Like smear? Like stirrups? Like Is it, you got papping? Papping, yeah. Like pa- like paparazzi, yeah. Like paparazzi, <laughs> <laughs> like paparazzi with a uh, Philadelphia pa- accent. Paparazzi, paparazzi is ass. Yeah, um, you gotta pap him. He, you can find out that information about Vidizen at vidizen.card with two R's dot co. If, if you, you wanna, wanna find a- if you wanna stalk me in real life, uh, I'll be at a Vidizen show on August the 11th. So. Oh, I'm jealous. Damn. Man. I want to spend some time with Greg. You should come I too, can't. Josh. I'm legally not allowed to be 50 feet from him. Oh, my God. <laughs> I papped him too hard. It's in back York. In Everyone wants to go to York. <laughs> oh, York, PA? Dude, I've been to York so many times. You know what's there? Nothing. Uh, isn't doing a show. Yeah. There's a college. <laughs> is he going to be at the college? or is it uh, at, I'm not uh, sure. He's giving me the details later, but you should come. All right, I'll be there. He's lying to me right now. <laughs> no, um, no, if you want to find out, you, the listener, want to find out stuff I about thought you were Story talking Lords, to me still. Sorry. No, I'm not talking to you guys. <laughs> uh, then you can head over to storylords.card.co, card with two R's, and you can find out all about the show, all about us, see some sweet episode art, uh, find out what the next episode is about sometimes, although you'll probably find out in the next 10 seconds. Um, Next episode, we are doing a Q&A. So a season wrap-up where we're going to talk about the stories in, uh, you know, now that they're complete, and we're going to answer questions that you have sent 
via email. Now, this show is not going to happen if we don't get more emails, because we've got a few, but we haven't got enough to fill the regular two and a half hour slot you expect from us. So, if you want to uh, go and send us an email, you can go to, send an email to, storylordspod at gmail.com. And if you're if you're too dumb to retain that information, like me, then you can just mm-hmm. head to our website, though you already know about, mm-hmm. storylords.card.co with two R's, and click contact. Yeah, and it will send us a sweet email direct to our box. And right it, in the and box. Get it deep box. in my box. Yeah, um, up in my box. We've got a lot of good emails, uh, but I'd like some more, please, so we can be selective about what we want to talk about Fucking on the show. Tiny Tim over here. Yeah. Well, have some more, please. That's Oliver Twist. Same you fucking, fucking Luddite. Dude, <laughs> Jesus. I hate Dickens so fucking much. Guys, guys, guys. <laughs> fucking snow-eating, goddamn coal-breathing yeah. motherfucker. The podcast is falling apart. No, it's not. It's not. Um, Somebody who owns seven fucking... Uh, chimneys, I know you appreciate all of his works. Yeah, but... capitalism. I, I agree, all good. I love all good things. Dickens is a precautionary tale for people with money. <laughs> yes. Orphans want more? He already had some. <laughs> but I already lowered myself to give him some. Um, so... His name is funny. <laughs> Dickens. Dickens. Um... A big thank you to all our listeners this season, especially our patrons. Um, it is literally only because of your support that we can continue to do this. Uh, we put a fuck ton, that's a clinical measurement, of mm-hmm. effort yeah. into this every week. And I'm, I'm, you know, I know we release on a fortnightly schedule, but every week we are writing, unless, you know, unless we do it on the last night sometimes. But we're still talking about the Who show. Who are you talking about? We're still... <laughs> We still have to come up with the stories. And yeah, exactly, and plan it's, a, it. it's way more work than any other podcast I've been on. It's all the Absolutely. normal podcast work to get it to you and to keep everything yep. updated. Plus, we write full-length fucking stories now. They're not even short stories no, anymore. I look back, the uh, the size of a, a script used to be about seven pages, and now it's 14. The average I try to keep 10. it at eight. Yeah, I try to keep it at eight, but yeah. it, I try to, you guys are... Yeah. You guys are fucking me with this. I try to you guys cut it off. Really at 10. fucking me. I try to cut it off at ten. <laughs> I fail every week to cut it off this, at ten. Rich shows up to class with a fucking one of those like colored binders, like orange. It's all nice looking. His reports all. Oh yeah, like, I've got tabs and everything. It, fucking oh, jo- Josh and I show up with a Sonic the Hedgehog trapper keeper yeah. full of loose fucking paper. <laughs> I gotta fucking like, steal my like stepsister's Liz Frank Dolphin binder to like put it in. I don't even fucking know. I need that bag. I need that bag. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we put a hell of a lot of effort in every week, and we could not do this without financial support um, because it is almost like having a second part-time job. Uh, so it is only thanks to our patrons that we can continue to do this. So thank you very much. On that note, if you're listening to this and you are not currently a patron, then for the price of a cup of coffee a month, you could be helping us produce this show. So please consider it. Um, So, yeah, for the details of that, if you want to do your civic duty and suggest prompts to the Book of Blood next for next season, brand new season... 
but a brand new season wiping the slate clean new nicknames new characters you could potentially be um then you got to head over to patreon.com slash storylords and for as little as five dollars that cup of coffee that i mentioned a month you can join our super cool discord read our stories suggest prompts For $10, you get access to the Redesigned by Committee podcast where we take an existing IP and just redesign it um, and do a better job than... mm, Everybody. Everybody everybody on Earth. Yeah, but not... We won't probably record that while the uh, strike is on. That might seem a little on the nose. We might do something else. Well, they might, like, steal our ideas, which Mm. they've probably been doing anyway. Yeah, yeah. They kind of did it with Superman. They're kind of doing it, right? I saw that um, he's gonna be like a good boy again. Yeah, but there's uh, Guy Gardner's gonna be in it. Hawk Girl's gonna yeah, be in yeah, it. That's that's my problem that's right good. there. That, that's what we were saying. <laughs> we were yeah. It's too much. I think wow. potentially. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I we'll wasn't saying any we'll of that. See. Maybe you we'll were. See. We'll see. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, you can get access to our extra podcast for $10. It's free if you're a $10 subscriber where we redesign an existing IP. Could be a movie series, could be a TV series, could be a video game, could be a book. I don't know. We're not going to do Moby Dick. <laughs> Redesigned by committee Moby Dick. I don't but know. That sounds fun. We do. Um, and for $20, you get all that, the PDF of our upcoming book, and a creator credit in the book itself. Uh Beep. So if you want any other info on the show, as we said before, you can head over to storylords.card.co. Another big thanks to everyone. Uh, This show has been a uh, massive success, I'd say. Um, And I think we all really enjoy doing it, all three of us. So, um, yeah, we just want to say thank you to you guys. And thank you to you both as well, Jeff and Josh. Oh, man. I'm going to open up my advent calendar here. I made it through one season, no firing. Yay! It's a brand new world for Josh Henderson. <laughs> oh, look, it's a little Lego guy. Let me put him together. Oh, he has a little sign. It says, you're fired. <laughs> oh, no! Damn it. My hubris you, you're again. You're not fired. You're not <laughs> fired. Yes! Lords can't fire other lords without some That's sort right. of ritual combat or some sort of... Um, <laughs> committee fire uh, committee yeah. firing where or, we if we it. Like it. or if Damn! we feel like it <laughs> that puts me at ease um, no thank you Rich here's the thing people don't know about this show yeah. this was Rich's mind baby he, he bore this baby into the world from his brain case he came to us and was like do you guys want to do this podcast yeah. with me if it wasn't for him this podcast would not exist yeah, you're Which, welcome, uh, everyone. Yeah, this is this is so fun. It's it, as hard as it is to come up with stories. It's like I don't know. It's it's like exercising, right? Like yeah, it, it's good for you. It's it's, it's, well, ex- for my it's extremely creatively fulfilling in a way yeah. that I wasn't yeah. prepared for when we started. I thought it was just going to be a goofy, fun thing, but it feels really good to write something every couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, and like some of the feedback we've been getting lately has been absolutely mind-blowing. You guys are really, really kind with your uh, feedback. Like, some of the things you say on the Discord are just... Yeah, they keep us going for uh, another episode, you know? Yeah, like, a, a uh, Discord... What are people saying about A us? Discord you can't get to without giving us money, by the way. Just yeah. FYI. Oh, yeah, give us money. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. I love money. <laughs> 
and I need it to buy ramen. Yeah. This is true. And and uh, pin badges of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, I, I need geez. some. I need some turtles badges. Oh, I do love them turts. <laughs> Who um, doesn't? Did we already read Mark Delano's review of our podcast? Oh, I don't know. Maybe? Uh, we'll do it anyway. Uh, yeah. Over on uh, Apple Podcasts, they don't call it just mm-hmm. iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. Mm-hmm. We got this review from Mark Delano at the end of last month. It's storytelling at its finest. Apparently, I'm not allowed to curse in reviews because my last one was taken down. Damn Anywho, a master class on how to tell stories with heart, creativity, and laughs. I missed fantasy fiction so much when it died, so to have its successor be even better is amazing. Yes. I, I think did, we did read that, we did but read I this. Josh, as always, yeah. nobody gets my humor like you. Five stars. <laughs> Titties. We need awesome. new ones. We need new reviews <laughs> yeah. to read. More reviews. Yeah. 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 That would be great. That would really be good. Like, if you haven't done one, um, yeah. you know, like takes five minutes Go if you want to leave a bad review make it funny we'll read that too <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll read anything we i mean will. we read our stories so we literally will read anything <laughs> uh, and like uh, i think a lot of people don't realize that but on the discord we people suggest things like the idea of a q a for next week came from the discord where people suggested it and they wanted something like a bit different in between to break the seasons up. So we decided to do it. And that's, we wouldn't have done that without the people on the discord. And if you want to go in and talk with them uh, and have your ideas heard and your prompts read and stuff like that, then you need to go over to patreon.com slash story Lords and give us $5. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, Do we want to pimp anything? Do you want to talk about anything else? No. 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 Good. Right. So remember, guys, we want you to send emails to storylordspod.gmail.com uh, or go over to wow. storylords.card.co with two R's. I knew I'd fuck something up. I always went on a really long run there of not getting yeah, anything Yeah, it was pretty wrong. good. Uh, yeah, shoot us an email at storylordspod at gmail.com yeah. we need your emails to do the email show if we don't do if we don't get enough emails I guess we'll just take the week off fuck you or we'll just <laughs> talk about like whatever like we can just talk about like I mean we talked about Christina Ricci for like two hours today yeah I, I, mean, can, we'll probably... I can get another two hours easy talking about Christina yeah. Yeah. Reach one hour the reach, per the reach they call her <laughs> Um, but yeah, we, we will tangent the fuck out of next week's episode. It might probably run long and stuff like that because we are tangenty bitches. But yeah, um, yeah, we'll, and we'll talk about the show. We'll talk about how it came to be. What we you know potentially might do next season, maybe. Yeah, we'll talk about that. All right, thanks everyone. You are amazing for listening to the show, and we love you all. And we'll see you in two weeks. Thank Bye-bye. you, everybody. We love you. Bye, piss butts. <laughs> Got him.
Goodbye.